The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. This is A's Cast Live. Your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back. Looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout and he blasts one. Way back. It's one out. So he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. We are in the town today. Jack London Square at the A's offices. Get ready for a jam-packed show. Pitchers and catchers have reported. The Astros are reporting as we speak. A lot of news going on in Florida. Harry Pavlides from Baseball Prospectus is going to join us in moments. They put out the old Pakoda standings. And they did not do the A's right. And we want answers. So we're going to talk to Harry at 115. Chris Rose, MLB Network, will be here at 2 o'clock. Ray Fossey will be here at 2.30. How, how how are you going to do Chris Russo wrong like that? Oh, excuse me. Got it right around. You, the, the, the mad dog, Chris Russo, is going to be here today. And then we're going to have Mark Gubazov from the Angels. A lot to get into. I can't wait to talk about the Astros today. They're beat writers. So players have not been made available to the media. Super high security in the parking lot. They're hiding them already. Report out about Jim Crane, the owner. Going to have a meeting with the players. I knew it. I knew it. I told you. I told you here on A's Cast what was going to happen. They're going to try and get up as a group, have one guy or two guys say sorry, and then they're going to act like that's it. All right, nothing to see here. Let's just go back to our business. And that is not how it's going to go. There's no chance that's how it's going to go. This is not like A.J. Hinch gets on MLB Network, does an interview with Tom Verducci, and now he goes away. Now you're not going to hear from him. He's suspended for the year. Bye-bye. No one's going to give him a T. I'd be, I'd be shocked if he got on television. That's where everybody goes to rehab their image, right? I would be shocked. But these players... They don't want to deal with it, but they're going to have to every city they go. And I told you, it's just like the mob. Los Costa Nostra, remember? You're a member of the family. This is a family. Yeah, everybody in the mob, was a, was they were family until the feds came, and then they all squealed on each other. And that's what we're seeing in the Wall Street Journal and the Washington Post. Sources here, sources there. Six players. They didn't want to be identified. Oh, it's all Carlos Beltran. They're all going to start squealing on each other. Because 
This whole, this happened in the clubhouse, Pedro Martina and Jessica Mendoza, that's all crap. You know how many players don't play for the 2000, don't play for the for the Astros since this 2017 2018 report came out. That's just how dumb they were. They were just dumb. They thought they thought they could do this and get away with it, and everybody knew. Now there's a new report out of the Washington Post saying everybody in baseball knew they were doing it. Certain teams complained, like the Oakland Athletics. They're they're naive. Now, you got to remember, professional athletes live in this bubble. They're millionaires. They live in great neighborhoods. They're walled off from the regular world if they want to be. Majority of their life, they've never been really held accountable for anything because everybody has just kissed their behinds, telling them how great they are. Not all. I mean, obviously, Jose Altuve, the road from Cuba to... But for the most part, a lot of these guys have had a pretty privileged life. And now you want them, big egos, big money, to lay down and say sorry. And explain themselves. Transparency. These guys aren't wired like that. I can't wait to tell Chris Russo what I experienced over the weekend down at Pebble Beach where people are yelling cheater at Justin Verlander. And you know what? For Verlander, you know, there's going to be only two guys. I was thinking about this. Something just come down? Yeah, the three batter minimum is now official. Major League Baseball. Where's my breaking news sounder? I I, I had it ready, but you weren't looking, so here. Well, hit it. Live from New York at the ABC Sports Desk, I'm Chris Townsend. All right, what do we got? So we got the three minute, the three batter minimum is now official. There's other ones, other rules that have, I guess passed, but it's really hard to look on this press release on my computer, so I'm gonna have to print it out. But the big one is the three batter minimum that we heard. You can't see what else. Uh, one of them was I saw Jason Stark tweet about it that managers now have only 20 seconds to make a replay decision if they want to replay it or not. Uh, rosters through August 31st in the postseason. Active roster limits from opening day through August 31st, including postseason games, shall be increased from 25 to 26. In addition, clubs will be permitted to carry a maximum of 13 pitches from opening day through August 31st, plus postseason games. From September 1st to the end of the championship season, including any tiebreaker games, all clubs must carry 28 players on the active roster. In addition, clubs will be permitted to carry a maximum of 14 pitchers during that period. Now, there's a two-way player designation. Players who qualify as two-way players may appear as pitchers during a game without counting towards a club's pitcher limitations. A pitcher will qualify as a two-way player only if he accrues both at least 20 major league innings pitched and at least and at least three. I'm, I lost my place on it now. And at least 20 major league games started as a position player or designated hitter with at least three plate appearances in each of those games in either the current championship season or prior championship season for 2020 only. This will include 2019 and 2018. A lot of stuff there. All right. The main thing is the three batter minimum. I know a lot of people in baseball don't like. Hey, here's the deal. 
And I got this from my good friend, the voice of the stadium, Dick Callahan. I recently had a conversation with Dick Callahan, and he talked to me, as I always, he's like my, he, he, he's the guy. When, when I got questions in life, I go to Dick Callahan because he's got answers. Change is always met by opposition. I want you to remember that. Change is always met by opposition. We as humans, we don't like change. By nature, we don't. There's some people who love change. Spontaneity. Most people are conservative. Most people don't like change. Most people live within X amount of miles from where they were born. You got a lot of people who live in the United States of America. They've never seen the ocean. That always freaks me out. Like, you've never seen the ocean? You've never seen salt water before? Waves? There's more water than land on Earth, and you've never seen the ocean. People don't like change. But sports always need to be evolving. This is something I'm going to get into a little bit later. Not everybody liked the fact that I like this potential playoff change. And I'm going to talk about today, and I know I'm going to bring it up with Chris Russo because he had a great monologue on high heat yesterday. Baseball's been changing since 1969. Attendance is down 12 straight years. What business in the United States of America would watch a decline for 12 straight years and say, no, we don't need to do anything? That would be reckless. That would be irresponsible. Whether you agree with me or not, I know I'm right on this. I'm not right on everything. I know that. I'm right on this. Buster only had a great article we'll get into a little bit later. Because, I mean, like, like I, I'm shocked that my guy Trevor Bauer. Love, I love the Bauer Hour on Sirius XM, MLB, Net, uh, the MLB channel on Sirius XM, channel 89 for me. Bauer hates it. He absolutely hates it. And I think he's completely wrong. We love tournaments. We love tournaments. We as athletes, we played in tournaments. We as parents, we watch our kids in tournaments. People love the NCAA tournament. I don't like college basketball. I don't watch college basketball. I could care less about I always laugh. Alex Jensen, who is the voice of St. Mary's and the face of A's All Night, here on A's cast, would always eat because, you know, he's always talking about St. Mary's hoops and, like, it'll be the middle of the summer and there's projections already who's going to make the turn. I don't care. The only time I care about the NCAA tournament is when I start gambling on it. And then now I care. And now all of a sudden I, I do care if, I don't know, UConn is playing Indiana. 
or UCLA is taking on uh, Michigan State, or Florida is up against um, Syracuse. Now I ca- I'm invested. We love tournaments. But that's just right. We love football. Football is a tournament. They have bye weeks. It's a tournament. And we love it. And that's what they want to do. And, my God, this, this, I get to select the team I want to play. You know what drama that will bring? How pissed that team's going to be that you selected them? The emotion that will be played in a series where the second best team gets to select from the bottom three. We want you because we think we're going to mop the floor with you. That's dangerous. You now put a chip. Let's face it. The teams that are going to make this tournament in baseball, they're not going to suck. We're not going to see a team that only won 75 games. That's not how it works. You're going to get every one of those teams that are at the bottom were no day at the beach. That's the Rays, the Indians, and the Red Sox. You think those teams suck? No. And now you're going to choose one of them, and they're going to come to your house with a big old fat chip on their shoulder saying, let's go. And you don't think that would be compelling versus what we have now? I I don't get it. I got to figure out how to get young people back into baseball. Old people, they hate change. Young people, oh, I hit my microphone. Young people, I think are more, would be cool with it. I think it's going to be great. Bring me more change. Make my game. Well, what, what's made this offseason interesting? Same old, same old? Nope. What's made this offseason fascinating? The money that's been spent. Record money for a pitcher. Team spending, teams going for it, scandal, Astros, Red Sox, managers being fired, front office people being fired. Yeah, that's change. And it's made. By the way, Harry Pavelitis from Baseball Prospectus is going to join us coming up here. Are you calling him right now? Actually, he asked me to send it over via email. He's going to be using a microphone, so it's going to be kind of like he's Wow. Talking. Yeah, so he's a... Uh... He's a millennial, apparently. I mean, he's probably—I mean, he's a little older, but he's a millennial. It looks like so. By the way, one roster or yeah, one—he um, he has a studio in his house. Uh, maybe because he told me to use invite him via email because he can hook a mic up to his computer, which sounded cool. Nice. Uh, position players can only pitch if their team is down six runs or in extra innings is one of the new rules changes for 2020. So six a runs. Position player can only pitch in extra innings. In extra innings, or if their team is down six runs. Well, that's usually when they come in. Yeah, I know. So no, what really changed? I, I, Although, remember, Stevie Wilkerson from the uh, Orioles got that save as a position player against the Angels earlier this year. But, but that was an extra Like innings. the 15th inning, yeah, like one in the morning. The two-way player, which was something that a lot of people, oh, two-way player. The two-way player, because there are guys that do it in college. I mean, one of the best to ever do it is on the A's staff, Mark Kotze, down at Cal State Fullerton. Do we have Harry? Harry, welcome to A's Cast Live. How are you? Hey, Chris. How you doing? Wonderful. And I got to tell you, it's refreshing. Uh, I don't get very many guests who actually have a microphone, and they're not doing it by phone. I love it. 
Well, I'm going. I'm trying to. Now I'm even going to try and fix my headphones so my sound is just perfect. So baseball has just put out the press release of all the different changes for 2020 and the three batter minimum. It is for real. It is happening. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I just literally just saw that. I'm like, oh, they are going to do it. Uh, so I haven't had a chance to read it clearly, but yeah, I think there's been. Um, a lot of questions about that. There's there's definitely some pitchers who seem to be the types would get impacted by that. I mean, that's not good for the traditional loogie type role. Um, but there's probably not that many appearances that will change. I, 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 I wish I had it handy, but there's been some research that's been published that I tried to figure out how many people would have their jobs changed and how many appearances during the year would, would have been illegal. And it ends up not being that, that terribly many. So... It's going to change things, but it may not be as big a change as it seems. We'll see. You know, a new role that's coming into baseball that baseball didn't like years ago. And I was just mentioning a guy on our staff who was, you know, a a, a fine player. But in college, he's one of the greatest college players of all time, Mark Kotze. He was a Golden Spikes Award winner. He would come in and close. He was blowing it in the 90s. The two-way player could be in vogue. I don't think there's going to be a ton of guys who are talented enough, but I think that's – what do you think? I think it's going to be something we're going to see a lot more because how valuable is a guy who can be not only a position player and depth, but also depth for your bullpen? I think it's huge. Um, I mean, we're not going to see uh, some – wave of Otanis. <laughs> there aren't many people who can eat or that good at either uh, of the skills to begin with. He's an extremely rare athlete, but yeah, and I, I love it. I mean, this is something that over at baseball prospectus, you know, my colleagues and I, and some, even on our own podcasts, we've talked about this, that we're, we're slightly obsessed with it. So there's, there's this guy McKay with Tampa. There's a guy I think with the angels uh, there's, there's lots of these possibilities now. And to me, it's one, it's just kind of cool. Um, first, I, I'm a believer in the universal DH. So I don't want to, I'm not a fan of pitchers hitting, but if you're a good enough hitter, then that you can play, you know, be useful to the team, you know, as a bat or vice versa, as, you know, as a you know relief pitcher doing some part-time relief work. That's, to me, that's great. I mean, Brooks Kieschnick would have been, this is a perfect era for him to come back. Yeah. <laughs> He's even older than I am, so I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but I love it. I think it's I think it's actually a lot of fun to see these players who can who can try and do both. And uh, it's hard. I mean, there was a guy named Brian Bogusevic who, you know, came into the game as a two way player in the minors and chose on chose to just focus on on hitting. And eventually, he did get to pitch a little bit in the majors and kind of the emergency duty. And uh, so it's going to be really some of these guys may come into the game. I think there was a oh gosh. Hunter Green, maybe, who was recently drafted, I think, in the red system. He he was a two-way player. He changed and just focused on pitching. So there's always going to be this pressure for the, some of these guys to, to specialize. But I think for players who are maybe not the top top, top shelf guys, it's going to be hopefully the new the new future. Let's get into the, the Pakoda. What you guys put out is we all love it and wait for it. I just, I think for a lot of A's fans, we looked down and went 85. You got the Angels higher than the A's? I was I do. a little, I, I know. Would, I was, people are shocked. Shocked? Yeah. Why? why? Uh, I think that Pakoda historically does poorly with the A's. 
It does it does poorly with teams, and this is something we we want to fix. I think we're finally going to be able to. It does poorly with teams who do a particularly good job of managing their roster. So platooning, good bullpen usage. These are things that Bakota kind of just says, I, I don't know. It doesn't it, it we have the ability and we'll soon hopefully be producing it to split, provide projections for splits. Uh, and then we can start doing things with our lineup and our depth chart management system that can specify what how these splits should work. And then we'll probably start treating teams like the A's better. Yeah, because uh, and, and we also don't know what midseason moves a team is going to make. So a big a big uh, question mark about why why you guys always come in low is like, well, they always get better. I mean, if if there is, you know, in your, in your you tell me, it's like historically the, the A's tend to improve their team over the course of the year, either through good trades or through through call up of people who may not have been top prospects but are actually ready to produce the major league level if the a's are better than normal or even just do that at all at a to improve themselves at all the preseason pakota projections that's no way of knowing that what the roster is going to look like through the year so if the a's are good at those things we're going to keep missing on them it is a little weird this year though to see the angels go but i think it's just the angels are expected to score so much uh, even more than the a's i think uh, and we'll have bump numbers on what we think the offenses and things are going to look like and, and split out kind of what we think the actual, you know, defensive contributions and things like that for teams are and share those as well. So make it a little clear where these numbers are coming from. You know, I, I, I totally buy what you're selling from what's happened in the past to where, yes, there's a dramatic amount of change. Billy Bean and David Forrest always remaking the roster. But where uh, where the projections, I think, got it wrong this year is that pretty much the core of the team has been set. We we pretty much know who the starters are going to be. The only position is up for grabs is second base. You got mm-hmm. Chapman, you got Olsen, you got Simeon, you got Loriano, you got Canna, you got Piscata. Mm-hmm. This might be the most secure A's team we've had in a long time. That's why I'm shocked that the projection is so low. Well, there's no depth. <laughs> Basically, after Chapman, Simeon, Olsen, Loriano, and Canna, Five players that Bakota loves. Nope, they don't like. Doesn't like anyone. It just it's it's so there's there's an issue there where pretty much after those guys and after then you have kind of Piscotti and you know Davis. Even we don't think too highly of because of his defensive lack of defensive contributions and his overall offensive contributions are only we're saying about seven percent above average, which I think people may expect to be more. So maybe Davis is low, but overall you have this kind of. Uh, well, I look down this roster that was in front of me, and I see a lot of low numbers. I see a lot of guys with, with a BRC under 100, which means they're below average hitters. Like literally everybody after Piscotti down the list, except for Davis on this, this war chart here. So Chapman, fantastic. So you've tremendous, even with the second base hole, we have a tremendous infield. You have a really good outfield. You don't have any depth. So it looks pretty poorly upon second base and catcher right now in terms of the offense and probably – uh, maybe underrates your DH. I don't know. Pitching <laughs> is probably where uh, Pakota comes calling for this team. Really nothing. It, it, I think there's a lot of confidence in the rotation, but Pakota doesn't share it. it I, I don't think any of the starters have a DRA below 4.4. Is Lizardo's? Estimates 4.38. So really after that, it's a, 
That's kind of, I think that's where it's coming from. So you have the solid offense that doesn't have much depth. That's okay. If we don't allocate that much playing time to those bench players, you know, if we allocate optimistically to the starters or assume they get different bench players, you would have a different projection there. So I, I agree. Offense may look good. Be, I'd be, I'd warn you about the depth. Pitching is where Pakoda is shaking its head at this team. Well, how about the angels? Cause I think the biggest question for them you said it, they're going to score runs. How are they going to prevent runs? How are they going to get 27 outs on a daily basis? They're pitching, uh, my dog has opinions on this. Uh, they're pitching <laughs> this a little bit more, is, isn't that much better, to be honest. I'm looking at it right now, and it's about, yeah, it's it's, it's also middle of the road. Uh, we must love this offense. Let's take a look. That's Shirley, by the way. Shirley, Shirley what, 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 what kind of dog you got? She is a uh, Whippet healer mix, and she's named after Shirley Berkovich, who's a, a baseball player in the 1940s. And she also had a, had a small role in a league of their own, the famous movie that Penny Marshall made. Uh, so why why do we like the uh, why do we like the Angels? I think it has something to do with this offense. My goodness, yeah, we like them on offense a lot more. Um, their top line is is really high. So yeah, it's probably it. We'll have to see. I mean, we'll, right now I look at this and and when talking to you and say, you know what, these don't, teams don't look that much different. So maybe they should be closer together. Maybe there's something in how we're putting it together. Maybe there's something in the park adjustments. Maybe there's something in the playing time. So when we when we publish, I think it is actually published, but it's not really clear added up how things go like this, the way I'm describing things to you right now. I think once we put that up on the site, people will get to look at it and we'll start getting feedback um, that perhaps we've missed something. And like people will point at it and tell us. And then we'll 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 say, but we thought about that and we'll go think about it more. And tune it because I agree with some of these. Some of these, first of all, everything is brand new this year. <laughs> We've rewritten the entire system, except for a few pieces where we project fielding and base runs. Base running—that's the same old way. How we tabulate everything at the end is kind of changed. But the, the, the engine for pitching and hitting projections has developed so much over the past few years and rapidly this year. It's pretty much a new system. So when I look at some of these, like this sounds low, and I can't even convince myself that it's right, then you know. We'll look at it. it might be it might actually be wrong well but t- well, t- historically t- you're looking at this depth that i would worry about it but i i don't see what the d- difference between these pitching staffs is with my eye i have to look i'd have to look more closely to see why these teams end up so apart take us through how pakota gets to these pr- projections H- how do you sure. come by these numbers well basically we look at you know passes prelude you know so we, we are looking at your professional baseball data. So it's it's pretty much the typical data you see that you can publicly get. I mean, there's nothing fancy. We're not using much, if any, stat cast. You know, it, it, some of that stuff is used where, where it helps and, and things in our stats. But with projection systems, we're basically looking at your history of the numbers you've put up. And it's broken down by components. I mean, what, what Pakoda is at the start is a dozen different computer models one for each skill or component that a player may have. So their strikeout rate, their walk rate, their ground ball rate, and the same for pitchers and hitters, pretty much the same set of, uh, of components. And all of those things are modeled in such a way that we have a range of outcomes for each, for each of those attributes. And the system basically runs these things a thousand times to see which, you know, which set of skills 
does the player most likely have uh, results does the player have at each one of these? And we take the median value, the average value, and that's our projection. But we also take all the less likely uh, highs and lows for each of these components, combine them, which can get a little little funky at the at the deep at the deep end of the pool. But you combine these things and you can say this is the person's you know 50th percentile projection. That's their basic projection. But we also have their 40th and their 60th, their their 30th and their 70th. You know, we'll even show you their 99th and their first, like which are you know not likely to happen. So it, the projection is really just the middle of a wide series of, of possibilities. And for a guy like Mike Trout, that series of possibilities is very high up on the list and very narrow. <laughs> uh, even in the worst case scenario, the system thinks you know, and assumes he's going to be healthy and not get injured. That's not injury risk is not factored into this. It assumes happiness. Uh, and you know, just normal aging, just for your for your peers and cohorts and position, how you would age, and so it's looking at this range of things repeatedly. So it's it's when we say this is where we think a player is going to land, we also think it's extremely likely they're going to land a little bit off or under that. I mean, every projection is wrong; it's either too high or too low. So uh, very rarely do you actually nail a guy on on the numbers. So that we do all those things, we combine them. We do the same thing for pitchers, and then we put them through a process of, okay, how much playing time are they going to get? Uh, what type of, you know, are they National League? Are they American League? And then figure out how much, how productive they are. And then just basically do some multiplication, add it all up at the end. Uh, the, the real high math stuff comes in those early stages of, the modeling, the, the which factors matter for predicting your, we're not just taking your single rate per plate appearances or single rate per ground balls or things like that. Like all the potential things that we find analytically that can influence and be meaningful, predictive for your single rate go in. Then all the same things for your double rate, which may include your single rate. Now there's some cross correspondence between these things. So you have all these, these very robust models for each of these skills. And at the end, we just, combine them all to show you a line of baseball stats. Let's end on this. The new playoff format that could be coming down. It seems like you either love it or you hate it. Where are you on it? I hate it. I love, I love how we have it now. I think baseball's, you know, been following baseball since the 1970s. Okay. So they, uh, this is I, what we have right now, I think is the best format. You get a lot of teams involved. And with the second wild card, you know, you increase that with that, that's produces so many more teams having a chance to get in. So that dynamic is fantastic at the same exact time, because that last, those last two positions are now just one game guaranteed. The division title is much more important than a wild card used to be. You see the wild card is good as, you know, yeah, you're the road team, but you're in, you're, you're, you're fully fledged. You get a five game series. Now it's like, okay. That's great. You made it, but it's a lottery ticket. And one game in baseball is crazy. The, the, the variability of this game is insane. So I love the fact that it makes the division title more important while involving more teams in the chase. This is going too far. <laughs> this is starting to dilute it a little bit, and it's getting gimmicky. And to me, that's a red flag. I would rather us, you know, we have a good amount of excitement. We have a, we have a lot of players you know, you know, a lot of teams involved in the, in the chase later in the year than we ever have before. Why are we, why are we messing with it? So I don't understand the reasoning and I don't understand a system that has a gimmick and I don't understand the system that would let teams that are maybe a game over 500 be 
frequently make the playoffs. Can I play devil's advocate? Of course. Okay. Gimmicks work. Reality TV <laughs> works. Tournaments work. Uh, it's got a little football. It's got a little NCAA, both which are hugely popular. And my question would be this for you. If everything is okay, why has attendance been down for 12 straight years? Oh, that's actually a lot to do with the TV licensing system, the blackout system, uh, some of the league's choices on how social media gets to engage with their content. Uh, and uh, I think it has nothing to do with the playoff format, number of mound visits, number of relief pitchers you use. I think it is a the regionals, regionalized TV deals and the blackout system has created a place where you've cut out a generation of fans from being able to access the game that is actually streamable to their phones. People live in Iowa and they're blacked out of six teams. They, don't, they can't attend a baseball game and they can't watch something like 38% of baseball broadcasts. That's, the, that's why we're losing fans. That's because we, the, the, this is historically one of the greatest games and the most popular games in this country. It's also historically one of the slowest moving businesses <laughs> and Correct. it's behind and it's caught behind. And I hope it wakes up and moves forward by learning from what the other leagues do. You know, they're a victim of cable cable made baseball a lot of money in the nineties. And then even today, but the problem is people are getting rid of cable. And if I have mm -hmm. my phone and I'm an A's fan or a giants fan, I, I can't watch now. Now they're starting to do this. Cable's going to streaming now because they know they're dying. But for yes. so many years with the baseball app, I can't watch my 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 own team in it's, my it's own insane. house. Yeah, it's it's stupid. Exactly, exactly. And I, I think that is such a more fundamental thing, uh, and that's why the you know the average age of, of a major league fan has been rising uh, to the point where we do have a concern. And it's it's really not the length of the game; it's the access. It's, it's the access the sharing, uh, the dampening of what of, of people's ability to share content. Uh, we're not marketing the players enough. And uh, there's a lot of personalities and a lot of talent in Major League Baseball. And I think the league can do more. And I think when we see things like, uh, you know, the, the home run derby well, is, and things like that, you really get to see the players interacting and doing things. That's the lesson here. That's what we like to see is like, let people watch the games, let, let them watch any game they want, let them post clips of it, make it super easy for people to share clips and like make things go viral. Like, you know, they shut off pitching ninja and they had to have a whole thing where he came back because there was an uproar they, you know, they, so they're not learning enough from the lessons or they're, they're learning the lessons reactively that, you know, they're not position where like the NBA had been historically of being proactive with these things. So I understand there's all these regionalized TV contracts and they're like, it's not something we could do anything about. These contracts have to go expire. I'm like, y'all have billions of dollars. You can go renegotiate <laughs> these 10 year contracts and say, we'll make you more money if you let us do this. And, and there's, there's, there's ways to adjust. And, and also as things expire that make them change require, I don't see that happening. I don't see the, the carrier deals being written as the new, as they get, as they expire and come up to, to get rid of these things. I mean, are the, you know, people here in Chicago aren't even sure if they're gonna be able to watch the Cubs. Yeah. Which is, it's, it's look, anybody who lives in Chicago, I know you're <laughs> probably don't care, but it, you know, knows what happened to the Chicago Blackhawks. 
when they were like, you're not going to be able to see the Blackhawks on TV in Chicago. It nearly destroyed what was one of the original six franchises in the NHL. And literally the day that the guy, the owner died, his son was meeting with, has had already set up agreements to get them on TV. Like they were on TV that season. And, and it was, um, it, they, in the past 10, 15 years, look at what they've been. They've been very successful. And so the notion of like, make it harder for people to see your games. It's one of the most short, a, a common mistake, short-sighted business decision. And that's very common these days where early quicker returns to your shareholders. So get that big TV contract. Yeah, we had to sign away some exclusion. This may make it harder for us to sell tickets in 20 years, whatever. And that, that's what that's what's coming to roost. That's what we're that's what we're seeing in baseball. So that's why I react to the gimmicky stuff negatively. You're right. Those things it's entertaining. But you know, to use a football metaphor, we should focus on the blocking and tackling. <laughs> good and stuff. That, the, yeah. Hey, good stuff, Harry. We truly appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Yes, thanks for having me on. Great stuff. Yeah, it is for years been ridiculous. I mean, you still can't. There's still the fight going on in Los Angeles with Time Warner and where so many different people don't get to see Dodger games on television. It's like, what? It's absolutely crazy. I have a lot I want to, and probably I, 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 I'm being told soon we'll be able to take phone calls. Uh, I'm being told. But there's a lot to react to. I'm telling you, you either love it or you hate it. But I'm telling you, reality TV, it works. By the way, my kids are 14. That's all they watch. If they watch, you know what? They don't watch television. They watch reality TV on their computers. Times are changing. What did, what did Billy Bean say in Moneyball? Well, actually, Brad Pitt. Adapt or die. Buster Olney, look it up. ESPN, do you have to be a, uh, a plus member to be able to read this? Because we are. Uh, let me double check that right now. And by the way, ESPN. how much is the plus? Like 99 cents or uh, right? For a year, it's like $40, I think, a year. Buster puts it perfectly. In 1969, MLB went to four divisions. And had four playoff teams. 1995, here comes the wild card. And what did all the traditionalists say? What a bad idea. That is a, a team didn't win their division as a chance to be in the playoffs. How dare you do that to baseball? Wild card worked. Worked so much. And actually, Buster put in here that the Yankees against the Mariners in 1995 when Griffey scores... It's one of the best postseason games ever. Then what happened? Baseball added a second wild card. Oh, no, you can't have two. You're ruining the game. Think about that. Since 1969, there's been change. And what did Harry just say? It, the, 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 the format is best right now the way it is. Well, people didn't say that years ago when you only had one wild card. You now have two. Has the game been ruined? Are you trying to tell me that if you have a bunch of these three-game series 
The one-game wild card, yeah. But if you did a bunch of these, and the teams are, you're not, put it this way. If you're if you're a team that's 82 and 80, and you win a three-game set on the road, then you win the five-game LDS, and then you win the seven-game series in the AL or NLCS, and then win the World Series? Come on. You're going to have good teams getting in. More baseball, more playoffs, more excitement. The excitement of these three games. We've been calling for this. Forget a one-game wild card. And I don't know what Trevor Bauer's talking about. When Trevor Bauer says, oh, there's going to be so much time off. Wait a minute. Um, Didn't the teams like the Astros and the Yankees, didn't they sit around for, they started their series, what, on a Thursday or Friday? They already did that this year. What are you talking about? The last game was Sunday. You didn't start the division series until Friday. What day was the A's raise? That was a Wednesday? It was a Wednesday, October okay. 2nd. So it was a Wednesday. They then, after here, had to fly to Houston, and they didn't play till Friday. So the Astros sat around on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and didn't play till Friday. Five days. What's the difference? It's the same thing. Instead of a wild card game, you'd have these series, three-game series. Play it on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, fly, and start on Friday. Nothing's changed. You've just added more baseball, more playoffs. And where I would disagree with Harry is the more your team's in it, the more you attend games. Too many teams getting in. Oh, what do you mean? Too many teams, too many fan bases have an opportunity to make the postseason, which makes your hometown games more interesting, which makes me want to buy tickets and go to the games. You don't think that's going to affect attendance? I'll keep saying this over and over because, uh, trust me, you don't think I'm going to get blowback from, from, from Korak and Catronio on this? They're baseball traditionalists. Ken Korak doesn't even like interleague play. But my question is going to be to everybody. 12 straight years, attendance has gone down. And I don't think it's because people in Iowa can't watch baseball on their phone. You got to make it exciting. More people got to be excited about watching, listening, going to games. Part of the problem is we have made it so easy to watch everything. Why do I need uh, I, NFL? NFL tends is down, but NFL's got television ratings, so they're good. A lot of attendance, but, but I just focus on baseball. Got to get people the turnstiles going more. And when your team wins and your team has a chance at the postseason, those games get exciting. More teams will have a shot at the postseason. It'll be more of a tournament feel. We love tournaments. That's why we love the NFL playoffs. 
traditional college football people don't like how it is now, but I'm telling you right now, college football ratings are through the roof on how they decide the national champion. It's the bottom line. You trying to tell me people didn't watch LSU Clemson this year? Because it was a tournament feel? It's a tournament. Win, move on. Those games, those college football games get monster ratings. They charge a lot of money. Stands are full. Buster, actually, as a traditionalist, agrees, which I was kind of shocked. There's going to be more moves at the trading deadline. Because if you're a team that you think you get to 86, 87 wins, that's not a bad season. You might want to pick up that starting pitcher because that gives you a shot to maybe now get to 88, 90 wins. You'll have teams wheeling and dealing because they're in it versus tanking. I just, gimmicks to me work. The DH was a gimmick, right? Well, the DH worked, and it's now going to be in both leagues. Reality TV, a show. You know how many people, baseball fans, will watch that show? Who are the Yankees going to pick to play in the in this in this for you know you don't get the buy so who are the Yankees going to pick are they going to pick the Rays are they going to pick Cleveland are they going to pick Boston their arch rival man that will be electric it's reality tv Townsend well I don't know Survivor's been on the air for a long long time the mass singer a lot of people watch it the bachelor and Bachelorette is still going to this day. Sorry. I want the game to be as healthy as possible. I want as many people watching it. Baseball is my business. No change, no growth, not good for my business. I'm telling you, people want a show. People want sizzle on the steak. That's where we are. There are so many ways to spend your entertainment dollar. There's so many different ways, so many different things you can do. Why spend it on baseball? Well, you got to make it compelling. And just doing the same old, same old ain't working. That's why you look, I mean, why are you listening to this? Because it's new. You like it. You hear about your A's. You hear about Major League Baseball. We're the only team in baseball that does this. This is new. Well, at some point, everybody's going to do this. Everybody's going to look back at A's cast, and they're going to go, wow, that was a really good idea. And I'm telling you, NBA teams will do it. Hockey teams will do it. Football teams will do it. Baseball teams will do it. It's change. There's some people, if you would have said what we're doing right now, which we know by the numbers, it works. If you would have said five years ago, oh, that's stupid. Who's going to listen to that? Buster also makes the point, and he uses the Padres as as an example. 
That would be Bob Townsend's San Diego Padres, my brother. You look, the Dodgers have won the division seven straight years. Everybody's just playing for a wild card spot. But now someone like the D-backs or the Padres, they're playing for a little bit more. May not win the division, but they've got more chance to make the playoffs. See what I'm saying? I mean, the American League has some bad teams in it. But it also is top-heavy. So when you start talking about Yankees, Rays in the East, and if they weren't – People still think they might be pretty decent. But if they didn't make the price bets trade, you'd have the Red Sox there. The Baby Jays are coming. In the Central, you have the Twins. You got the Tribe. White Sox could be up and coming. Look at the competition. Look at the West. Astros, A's, Angels. You, you don't think you can find seven quality teams out of all those people I just mentioned? And who knows who the outlier is going to be? Who knows the team that's going to surprise you? It's a tournament. It's a Major League Baseball tournament with tons of stars, more stars playing on the biggest stage on national television. The National League, my God. Everybody in the East except the Marlins – the Central, you got the Cardinals, you got the, the Brewers, you got the Cubs, and the chic pick right now is the Cincinnati Reds. People are loving the Cincinnati. That's four teams in the NL Central. Come out West, Dodgers, D-backs, Padres. You never know what you're getting out of the Rockies. So that let's call that three and a half. You're trying to tell me, Out of all those teams, Nationals, Phillies, Mets, Braves, out of all those teams I just mentioned, you can't find seven quality teams, put them in a tournament and say, let's go? You're crazy. And the selection show where a team says, I want you, can you imagine the emotion in that series if – like a pitcher getting a big out, and because they're going to be mad that they got selected. Imagine a pitcher getting a big out and screaming at the other dugout. You don't think that would be good for the game? A guy with a walk-off home run in one of those games, pimping it because you were the team that selected them and you thought they'd be an easy out? It'd be electric. It'd be a show. It would be a show. Traditionalists, we need to turn baseball into a show. We need to have... We need to have good guys. We need to have bad guys. We need to have plots, storylines. I know this sounds horrible to a traditionalist, but this is the entertainment business. You know, the Oscars were down again this year. Lowest rated Oscars ever. It's not a show like it used to be. The stars aren't the stars that they used to be. I know this sounds crazy, and you're probably going to rip me on Twitter at Townsend Radio. That's fine. I will not block you. I don't. Di- I only block people that start language and doesn't. But you can disagree. That's fine. But as Dick Callahan told me, change is always met with opposition. 
there's always going to be somebody that goes, I don't like it. Why? Because it's different. Buster Olney wrote in his piece he didn't want the wild card game. Why? Because it was a gimmick. Are you going to tell me the wild card game didn't help baseball? The second wild card didn't help baseball? All you're adding, you're adding what? Another, how many teams make it now? Three, four, five? You're adding two more teams. You're adding more, and I'm telling you, these three, these, the, these, the, if you think I'm crazy, how about my guy Al Leiter? You know how much I love Al. Al went all in yesterday on MLB Tonight. Al was, Al wants to break it all up. You think, you think this is radical? Al wants to expand to 32 teams. He wants to break up. Do we have Al? All right. You think I'm nuts because you know I'm always pulling for change because to me, change is healthy. If you think I'm I'm a whack job, wait till you hear my guy, L. Leiter, the left-hander. I, I think that, that adds just even that much more compelling, right? Because now you have your staff in, you're trying to figure out, I know they're the seventh seed, but do we match up better with them or do we, you know, so there'll be something interesting with that. Uh, the home always made sense to me. The one-game playoff was a real bummer. There's been, we, we have the teams that have gotten... I guess ripped off, had great years and had to play one out because they didn't, they didn't, uh, you know, they didn't uh, have the top uh, seed, right? What I, what I'm a little bit, I, what I would like to see is perhaps maybe not as many, and I'm into like a couple buys. Like this has been a conversation that has been discussed for a long time. You're saying not as many teams, but, but yeah, a couple buys. buys like first and second. Yeah, I mean, I've got some crazy, like, no. Yeah, no, I've got crazy 32 teams, go back to 154 games, have an East Coast, West Coast. I would even kind of consider blowing up the American League National League. I know that's taboo in a lot of places. Dude, yeah, but we, I, mean, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I'm like lockstep with you right now. And and do it. So I and I'd have two buys, and, and yes, you play in one home city, so the travel won't be a problem, and then they got to Two, uh, the three to four days off or three days what off. What about that three-game set? We throw a double dip on that first day, and if you sweep the doubleheader, you're in. Make it even harder. Come on now. Yeah. So I think for the for the intrigue, and I guess we're going after you know the marginal baseball fan that's not watching every single night on the regional network, right? And right. how do we get more interest in the most compelling time? How about that? Scrap the National League and American League altogether. Traditionalists, that has to blow your mind. Because the National League and the American League, what was compelling back in the day, they were different. They were different business entities. The National League had their own commissioner. The American League had their own commissioner. And then you had the actual commissioner of baseball. Well, now they're, they're all the same. Al's idea, I guess I'm kind of as crazy as Al because if you listen to me long enough, whether it's here, I've been on a couple of the stations, I've called for years to realign. This doesn't make sense. Football realized it. Football, if you're a 49er fan, you used to have the New Orleans Saints and the Atlanta Falcons in your division. That's just ridiculous. Baseball was like that, too, when I was growing up. The National League West had the Braves, the Reds, the Astros. Makes no sense. 
Baseball kind of figured it out, but they still have problems. Astros and, and, and Rangers should not be in the West. They should be in some form of a central. You should have a West Coast division, a Midwest division, and an East division. That's what it should be. So I look at all the teams in the NL West. So the Padres, the Dodgers, the Giants, and the Diamondbacks should all be in some type of division with the Angels, the A's, the Mariners. Then I'm looking at, you know, the East Coast teams. Maybe we should really plot this out. Because in the Midwest, you're going to have Brewers. You're going to have Twins. You're going to have White Sox, Cubs, Cardinals. Did I say Royals? Uh, and in this Midwest, you would lump in the Rangers and the Astros. Cleveland Indians would be in that. Uh, and I don't know what you do with Detroit. Detroit used to be in the East. But do you just get what I'm saying? You're playing teams that are more in your region. I mean, that's that's what that's what, you know, I would take Tampa and I would take Atlanta and maybe bump them into kind of the Midwest. Look at all these teams in the East, Baltimore, Boston, New York, Toronto. You got Atlanta. Well, you got the Nationals, you got the Mets, you got the Phillies. And you probably put the Tigers in there. I think Al's right. Blow it up and change it and make it better. Change would make it interesting because, you know what, people like, you know, hey, let's face it, people went to the circus to see the bearded lady. I'm not saying this is going to be the bearded lady. I'm just saying this is going to be the change will bring excitement. Like, wow, they really changed this thing up. I guarantee you, think about this. Mets, Yankees playing 19 times a year. Cubs, White Sox. These franchises hate each other. The Giants and the A's don't like each other. The fan bases don't. We don't like them. They don't like us. It's a reality. You don't think it would be electric 19 times playing the Giants? How about really starting a rivalry? We got history with the Dodgers. How about the Dodgers playing the Angels where you got Mookie Betts and you got Tr- and you got Bellinger and they got Trout and Rendon and Otani? You don't think those canes will be electric? Oh, no, we want to play against the Rangers. I forgot we got to take the – can we just put the – can we put the Mariners somewhere else? You know, you know what, 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 how do they do it in, in soccer where, like, uh, you don't, you're not good enough and they demote you? Oh, it's, uh, it's not like relegation or whatever. I think it, I, let me look up the uh, exact phrase. I know what you mean. They, they take you out of the league and bring someone else in or just kick you out. Yeah. When you don't have the big unit and you don't have Randy Johnson and you don't have A-Rod or, like, even Ichiro, do you get excited for the Mariners? The Mariners are coming to town. Deregulate or whatever the heck it is. Regulate. What is it? It's uh, relegation. Relegation. 
So pretty much you just or, dismiss you know an inferior team. You know what? Tell Seattle to go into that central thing. Yeah, you can put in the central. You can put. You can make it the Tigers. No, we'll take the Mar friends. The oh Mar- no, you you. You, you know why? That's a great place to go. Seattle's Se- great. Seattle is a great city. You could essentially make it the Royals. You, you can make the central right now, and I'd be okay with this. You can make it the Royals, the Tigers, the Mariners, the Pirates, and uh, let's throw the. There's another team in the Midwest. Well, you, you know what you could do? Throw the Marlins in there. you got the five teams that don't win in baseball right now, and there will be a winner of that division. You know what you do is you do a you do a Pacific, Midwest, and East Coast and make two divisions in each of them. So that would give you two divisions in the West, two divisions in the Central, two divisions in the East. So it's basically North-South, right? So you'd have the... You'd have the you'd have the Mariners, you'd have the God, I really gotta think about this. We'll, we'll figure it out. But you know what we're getting at. Because you know what? Think about from a competitive advantage how much less flying that is for the West Coast teams. Make the West Coast teams not fly as much. I mean the A's, where you gotta travel. The majority of your travel is to Arizona, to San Diego, to Los Angeles, and to the Pacific Northwest. That's it. You're still going to – you'll play all the other divisions. You'll get rid of American League, National League. God, this sounds so good. It sound, to a traditionalist, this sounds nuts. To someone who's not a traditionalist, it sounds like it makes sense. Look at the competitive advantage the AL East has. Your your biggest flight is to Tampa in division. You know what a flight is from Baltimore to New York? It's nothing. When I was in Baltimore with the Raiders, there's the train that goes straight from Baltimore to New York. Boom. People go back and forth between D.C., Philly, New York by train. Who was the one year? Was it was it the Yankees? I think it was the who who bust down to like Philly. Like you wouldn't get in on a plane if you're playing the Phillies. The Phillies and the Yankees are playing. You're not even going to get on a plane. You just get a police escort and take the buses down. Why wouldn't the Mets do that? They play them 19 times a year. The Met that'd be smart for the Mets to do that. Well, the, I guess the Yankees too, but the Mets play them so many times. Or do you take a bus? You know how much money you're saving? If, if if the Orioles are playing, if the Orioles are playing. The Nationals. Literally, the train rides like twenty something minutes. I just, I just, well, maybe, maybe thirty. It was like nothing. I just did it last year. They have the competitive advantage. Chris Russo is going to join us in moments. The Mad Dog. But you have such the advantage, like the Jets this year. The New York Jets never left the East Coast. That's such a competitive advantage. Wouldn't you want us to get an advantage and not fly as much? Less time in the airplane, more time on the land, competitive advantage. And there may be some teams where it you, you got to put them where you don't want to put them, but it is what it is. I can tell you this. If the A's got to play the Giants 19 times, the A's attendance would be higher. 
if the A's got to play, now obviously not every game's at home. But if you're playing eight to nine games at home against the Giants and against the Dodgers, the A's attendance would be way bigger. When the Rangers come to town, it doesn't float your boat. When the Dodgers do, more, more people in the stands. Giants, more people in the stands. I don't know what the Padres are going to be bringing much, but, you know, you got to take the teams in the West. All right, earlier today, you know, it's always great to get him because he's, a, he's, he's one of the greats. He's a Hall of Famer, arguably the greatest sports radio personality of all time. Here is my conversation earlier today with the Mad Dog, Chris Russo. He is a sports radio icon. He is a radio Hall of Famer, has his own channel on Sirius XM, and, of course, high heat on MLB Network. He's one of the greats of all time. Chris Russo is here. Mad Dog, how are you? Uh, good afternoon. Great to be aboard. Getting ready for the baseball season. How are things going today, okay? It's going good, and since we last saw you down in San Diego, been a lot of craziness in our game. Yeah, sure has. With the Astros situation, uh, you know, bets getting traded, uh, there has been a lot of, you know, a, a lot going on in the sport. Um, you know, now maybe a new playoff format, too. So uh, there's been a lot, uh, you know, in the last three or four months, the Astros situation bears watching. The Red Sox investigation probably coming to a close. Astros are going to have a little chip on their shoulder. Let's see how they handle that. Media for them in the next two days. Let's see how they handle that. Uh, I am, you know, uh, there are things I don't like about it, but I mean, I certainly can't kill the new format if they do it in two years for the baseball. Uh, the bets trade, I understand why Boston did it. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Bryant was traded before opening day either. So, you know, baseball has had a very busy winter. They had a, the, the three big signings right out of the gate. Uh, and done by the winter meetings in Rendon, Strasburg, and Cole. Uh, then they had the Astro thing in mid-January. Then they had the huge trade with Betts. Now they got this with the commissioner's office with the playoff format. They've had a very busy offseason. There's no question about it. And change is always met with opposition. And I just want to say thank you for your monologue yesterday on high heat. Attendance is down for 12 straight years. What business in the United States of America would be down 12 straight years and not be looking around going, boys, we need to change some things? 100%. And listen, there are things I don't love. I mean, I don't like uh, 14 of 30 teams making the playoffs after playing for six months. Uh, I don't love the idea that an 82-80 and 80 team, two wins, and they can knock off a big-time team in a first-round playoff series. But uh, there's so much to like. Uh, you know, more postseason baseball, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, you give teams more of an opportunity in the middle of the season not to tank. The Red Sox would not have made this trade if they felt that 85 wins could give them a chance to win a championship. They probably wouldn't have done that. And with the new format with the two extra teams in both leagues, 85 wins would put you in a postseason normally. So I think that, uh, you know, listen, uh, I think there's a lot to like about it. I like the six games in a one day. I don't even mind the TV thing. 
on Sunday picking an opponent. I think it adds a little juice to it. It adds a little character, something a little different. They're looking, obviously, for the NCAA tournament feel. That's where Tony Petiti's, uh, you know, comes from. Remember, he did CBS forever, and Tony was really in charge of that NCAA tournament and the games and the switching, and, and he had, you know, that's where these ideas come from in a large degree. And I think, listen, I, I think it's probably going to happen, too. I think that the, I think the Player Association will agree. I think the networks will buy um, once this uh, contracts, uh, you know, roll out and they conclude with the uh, with TNT and ESPN after 2021. So I think very much here you're going to see this, uh, you know, in two or three years down the road. And I don't really have a, I don't like 14 to 30 teams. So I mean, I, I don't love that. But, you know, I'm going to have to deal with it if uh, I want to make sure that just the best teams advance to the playoffs. I go back to baseball pre-1969. So I'll have to live with it. I got a little taste of what's going to happen to the Astros this weekend down at Pebble Beach at the AT&T because Verlander was playing in it, and so was Jim Crane. At one point, Jim Crane walked off a sports radio interview when asked oh, about really? uh, when asked about an asterisk and, and that slogan about the uh, Astros with the asterisk. And then I got to follow Verlander for two holes, and I can't tell you how many times people yelled out "cheater." This is at Pebble Beach. This isn't oh, in New really? York. This, this is, is used. This is used to me. What sports talk program? What does Crane go on a radio show for? And think he's not going to be asked about the Astros? Why would he go on a show to begin with? For crying out loud. I, and to think that if you're getting heckled at Pebble Beach, what do you think it's going to be like in New York and Boston, here in Oakland, down in Anaheim? These guys, they have no idea the firestorm they're about to walk into. How did Verlander hire, uh, how did he handle the booing? Uh, the cheating he, comments. He just kept swinging and didn't look at the crowd at all. Really? Wow. Interesting. Well, listen, Bay Area, the A's fans, there's, you know, there are a lot of Oakland fans there. Uh, I guess I'm assuming that you know that has a little something to do with the intensity level, uh, but yeah, and I didn't. I knew Verlander played. I didn't know Crane did, but yeah, this is a major problem, uh, and the Astros are going to have to deal with this. Uh, you know, uh, they play the Yankees late in September, so they don't have to deal with it right away with the Yanks, but they will have to deal with this here down the road, and it's going to probably get to a point where they're going to get very annoyed by it, and it could be an issue. So. Uh, I do think that Dusty's the right guy to soothe the waters. I do think that the Astros, to a large degree, will be in a situation uh, where they have a little chip on their shoulder. You know, you think we cheated, and that's why we won, to go out there and play really well. I can see that, too, to a degree, where they, uh, you know, they're, they're angry every night, and, and you never catch them flat. I think that's in play, but I do think this is going to trail them. So we'll see how a young team responds to that, 100%. Yeah, their first two series, it's Anaheim on the road and then up here in Oakland, so it's going to be a lot of fun. And then the drama in Boston. I mean, you've been covering this a long time. You're such a big baseball fan. I mean, how rare is it to trade a big market team that has a ton of money to trade one of the best players, arguably top five, arguably number two to Mike Trout, to trade him in his prime? Yeah, I think they did it because I don't think Mookie, I don't think it has anything to do with the luxury tax per se. I think Mookie Betts did not want to play in Boston. He doesn't want you to know that. I think Mookie Betts wants to leave and let the Boston fan think that uh, he had no intention of, uh, you know, of leaving the city after he had, uh, his contract was up. 
But the Red Sox offered him $300 million. Uh, if a player really wanted to play in Boston and loved it where he was, and two years ago the Red Sox, or a year and a half ago, they offered him $300 million, uh, the, 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 the response is not, well, give me 420 for 12 and I'll think about it. The response when somebody offers you $300 million, which is where Machado ended up signing shortly thereafter, and Trattolo more than that, and Harper, the response is, you know what? That's a tremendous offer. We can probably work around that. Let's negotiate. That's the response. And Betts' response was, well, give me 420 and I'll think about it. That tells me, plus the fact with all these rumors that were percolating here in the last three months, he knew he was on the block. If he really wanted to stay in Boston, he would have gone to management, gotten a message across that he didn't want to go anywhere and make a deal with me. And he did not do that. So I think Betts is smart. He's going to put all the blame on the, and the Red Sox faithful is going to put all the blame on the Red Sox management. And Betts is going to stay out of the way and inform through Jim Rice that he never wanted to leave. I don't buy it. I think Betts did not want to have, had no intention of signing long-term with the Red Sox. And if you go with that idea and you think I'm right, well, then what were the Red Sox supposed to do? You can't let him walk for a fifth-round pick. So you had to trade him. So, I mean, again, you could have played it out, uh, played out the season, thought about July maybe, make a trade then. But the Red Sox are not winning the American League East anytime soon anyway. So I think the Red Sox did what that franchise had to do. I really do. Let's end on this. The National League is going to be really competitive. The American League, there's a lot of underbelly there. We know the issues with the Astros. We know the issues with the Red Sox. You start looking at Yankees, Twins, Rays, A's. For our A's listeners, what kind of shot do you give the Athletics this year to win the American League? Uh, Well, to win the American League, I don't give them much of a shot. They're not beating the Yankees in a short series. Uh, the way it stands right now, the Yankees are a better team. So I, uh, I think the A's though could win the division. Uh, they have the younger pitching. Uh, they're due uh, to get out of that wild card round. Uh, the A's are better over 162 than they are in a short series because they don't have a lot of dominating players. And sometimes the dominating player, uh, you know, wins the. Uh, you know, Rendon was dominating. Strasburg was dominating. Year before that. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of that Red Sox offense was dominating. You know, dominating players, Verlander dominating against the Yankees in 17. They're, they don't have a lot of dominating in what I would call lights out Hall of Famers who can get on a roll and just dominate a short series for a team, win two games, put the team on its back offensively. The A's don't have that. And I think that's what's hurt the A's in the postseason. Uh, in the three games they have lost recently, game to Kansas City with the big lead, Yankees, of course, they got bombed, and, of course, last year with uh, Tampa, same thing. They don't have the dominating uh, player, but so that means they got to get out of that one-game shootout, and that means they have to win a division. They're very good over 162, and over 162 with the Astros situation, of course, now no coal. I don't see why they can't be very competitive, and they win 95 games every year. If they don't get off to a bad start and put themselves in a 12-game hole first two and a half months, which is what they always seem to do, if they don't do that and keep their heads above water and keep the Astros within sight, they can win the American League West. I don't think they're beating the Yankees in a short series, but they can certainly win the division and get themselves in a divisional best of five. Certainly do that. You know how much respect we have for you and your career. We love watching on television and listen to you on Sirius XM. Be well, and we always appreciate the time, and we'll talk to you soon. Always a pleasure, guys. Well done. Appreciate you having me on today. The Mad Dog Chris Russo.
you know, going back to Pakoda, they got it wrong this year. You know, everybody, they think the A's are this team that, you know, we'll see how it goes at the start. Billy and David will start making some moves. That's not what this year is. I do understand we know it more than people outside of the A's realm. So, you know, Chris, they've got to prove it. They've won 97 games two straight years, but to be a force in the postseason, they got to prove they can do it. And once they do that, then when I ask a question like that to Chris Russo, you could see him saying, yeah, I can't wait. A's Yankees would be a great ALCS. By the way, under that new playoff format that uh, we've been talking about, under Billy Bean, the A's would have made the playoffs 13 times. What's that, 13 times in 21 years? 23? He hasn't been at 23? I did it yesterday. I, you saw the breakdown. This is the 23rd year. Uh, no, 97 and 2019, 23 years. If you count every season, it's 23. All right, so 13 times in 23 years. Yeah, the first couple of years weren't good. Uh, and then there was like the the stretch from what 07 to 2012, not very good. And then the three years after, no, 12 the, was good. We well, were, yeah, 2011, and then you know, you know, 15, 16, 17, not very good. Like they were not close at all. By the way, the face of the franchise, Ray Fossey, will join us coming up here at 2:30. Uh, we're gonna go all in with Foss. We'll see. We'll see how Foss feels about all of this. Because with Fossey, you never know. You never know when you throw an idea at him. Sometimes you think he's not going to like it, then he likes it. And then sometimes when you think he likes it, he doesn't like it. So you never know. That's why it's great having uh, the face of the franchise, Ray Fossey, on. And when you think about Pakoda not giving the A's enough love, 85 wins, giving the Angels 87, well, think about it. You didn't get a. You haven't gotten really much out of Lazardo or Puck yet. You know they're special, but just they haven't proved it yet. Frankie Montas only had. Yeah, you know, when was his last? Not the last start, at the end of the season, but the last start. Is that in June or July? I think it was June. The last time he pitched, before he was popped. What do you got there? June 20th versus the Rays. All right, so you got Frankie Montas hasn't pitched since June 20th. You got Shamanaya pitched in five games. You got Puck and Lazardo who are coming out of the bullpen. The only guy that you got that was a true starter in 2019 was Mike Fires, And then you got some really good starts out of Chris Bassett. So I can understand where I may view it one way because I live it, but then Pakoda looks at it and says, well, these guys really haven't done much. And then they don't like the A's depth, which I really like a guy like Chad Pender. I think Chad Pender's very versatile in the fact that I can put Chad Pender anywhere on the diamond. I can play him in left, center, right, Third, short, second, first, and he could even catch. The one thing I didn't like about Pakoda, I don't know if you looked through the standings, they talked about how the team hasn't done anything. So you're telling me the Tigers are adding Jonathan Scope and C.J. Crone 
for one on one year deals took them from 44 wins last year to projected to win 69 games this year a 25 win improvement with those two guys there's I mean, no way I mean I know, oh sorry they signed Cameron Maben today too I guess that's a big move but those are th- th- but those projections were already out I know. before the move you, I know this is a young Tigers team and you're going to see Casey Mize and Matt Manning play, and some of the other big guys in their system come up eventually they won 44 games last year we talked about them potentially being one of the worst uh, one of the worst teams ever or maybe they but it just wasn't a good year last year for them. And they go from that many win, you know, get a 20 win improvement. I could be off. It could have been 47 wins, but it doesn't matter. They still only won under 50 games and they're going up to 69 wins. I just don't buy it. You know, one one thing that we haven't talked about which will be very be interesting to see how it goes down. One of the new rules is we glossed over it. Managers will now have 20 seconds to challenge instead of 30. Will they actually enforce that? That would be something to talk to Bob Melvin about. By the way, we do have some Bob Melvin sound from down at Mesa, Arizona, as Bob talked to the media today. See, we're just – stuff's going to start slowly coming in, right? Start a, The start of spring training, it's just pitchers and catchers show up, and then it's it'll start to build – and players will start to show up early, and before you know it, we'll be down there in Las Vegas for the game on the 29th and the 1st, and then we're going to spend that whole week. We're going to fly to Arizona with the team, and then we'll be there all week for spring training. And you're going to hear from everybody. But I wonder if they're going to force that because they give managers way more than 30 seconds. I don't have any data on that. I don't have a stopwatch out once you, once the manager says, you know, he gives the signal, put the headphones on. I, I mean, I don't time it. Maybe we should we could do that a couple times next year to see how long, because that's enforced by the umpires. I like that idea. You challenge it or not? What, what do you got? Don't give these guys 45 seconds. I like it. 20 seconds. Let's go. What do you got? You in, you out. What's your video guy saying? And that's the thing about the system where guys got to get on the phone, phone rings back up in the clubhouse, they're looking at it, yay or nay, and it just takes – I'm not saying it takes too long. I think just from the competitive standpoint, we want to know, are you in, you out? You challenging? Let's go. I can't tell you how many times I saw Gruden this year on the sidelines take the red flag out of his back pocket and Gruden would go over and start yelling at the officials because I think in his mind he's, try- he's trying to buy time. Like if he can distract them by yelling at them in his ear, he's waiting for the yay or nay to challenge. So 20 seconds. Something else I also want to get into with Ray Fossey coming up here. Commander, I sent you the article. Did you read the article from Sports Illustrated? I did. It was it was interesting. I just you sent it to me with no context, so I didn't know what you wanted me to do with it. But I read it, and uh, it's it is interesting when you hear about the numbers you're going to go over. So when once they changed the playoff format in 1969, so we're looking at 50 years of baseball. Would you call 50 years of baseball a small sample size? Unfortunately, no. That's a large sample size. That would be, we can call this a large sample size. 
How many times since 1969? Because everybody's so worried about, ah, the best team's going to get hosed on this new playoff format. Since 1969, how many times has the team with the best record won the division? What would you think if you really didn't know the answer? What would you think? The division or the World Series? I'm on the World Series. The team with the best record won the World Series. In the last 50 years, how many times has that happened? What would you have thought going into this? Well, I would think every time the Yankees won, they would have had the best record. So you're thinking, I don't know, probably 20. It's 12. Only 12 times in 50 years has the team with the best record won the World Series. So everybody's worried about this lower-level wild card team or teams getting in with bad record. By the way, where did the Nationals record this year, where were they? I believe on like what was it May twenty fourth they were uh, they weren't very good, and then uh, they I think they had the ninth best record. Yeah, they weren't very good. We talked about that a lot once they started going on that run. The Giants one year when they won it, they had the tenth best record. Yeah, they won on the last day to get into the playoffs, and that was until what two thousand ten. That Giants team when they beat the Padres to win the division. I right, here is a look at the twelve teams that have won with the best record, won the World Series since nineteen sixty nine. The 1970 Orioles, the 1975 and 76 Cincinnati Reds, the 1978 Yankees, the 1984 Tigers, that 84 Tiger team, I think still holds the record. They got off to like a 35 and 5 start. It was over. Yeah, that sounds about right. Didn't they, there wasn't there a Yankee team to start off really well like that too. I don't have to, I'm going to double check it, but I I remember the Tigers starting off but very there, well. I think that's the best start ever, 35 and 5. Had they lose those 5? The 1986 Mets, boy, that team. There was a lot. There was a lot of extracurricular activity going on with the 1986 Mets. They had fun on the field, and they had even more fun off the field. The 1989 Athletics, the 1998 Yankees, the two set, uh, the 2007 Red Sox, and then the last team to do it, number 12 the 2009 New York Yankees. So everybody worried about the best team in best team in baseball gets a bye. But it's no different than now. After the Rays beat the A's, they got on a plane, they went to Houston, they didn't start the series till Friday. Same thing would happen now. Whoever the teams are that got to play in these wild card series, They've got after the regular season ends, they got to get on a plane and they got to go fly to wherever that, and that's normal. Now, that selection show, by the way, Commander, that they're talking about on Sunday night, you know, there's three, there's three teams from each league that are going to have to get on planes that night and fly to wherever because they don't know. Because we're going to have the selection. The team with the second record gets the first pick. Third best record gets the next pick. These teams then, they're going to be, you know, this is even more fascinating when you think about it. There'll be Major League Baseball players sitting on a jet on a tarmac, not knowing where they're going. They have three destinations. Remember, the number one team gets a bye. Then the second best gets a selection. Third and then the the top wild card team will just they got to play who didn't get selected, so you'll have teams 
that are probably sitting in the plane during the show. And the minute the Yankees, so like the Yankees would have the first pick, the minute the Yankees say, we want Cleveland, all right, everybody in their seats, we're going to Cleveland. I mean, we're going to New York. And wherever the Indians are finishing the season, they would have to they would have fly through that through the night to go to New York. All of a sudden, the travel the travel secretary, the Mickey Morabitos of the world, are having to get buses and and they're having to get hotel rooms. I'm telling you, it would be this thing. This format will be fast. You can have cameras on the plane and the and have a live look in the plane for when teams figure out where they got to go play that three. You don't think that would be fascinating? I do. The counter argument I would have to for that is why not end the season Saturday then everyone can fly out Sunday and be ready to play Monday. These guys, you don't care that they do it during the regular season, so why do you care now? That's true. They they do it for six months. That's just the devil's advocate way of looking at it, just saying, oh, well, why does not end end the season Saturday? How about Billy Ripken? We played that, the Al Leiter thing. How about Bill Ripken, who's come out with that new book? Hopefully we're going to have him on soon. We are. February 24th. Um, he said, how about this? Fly there, have Monday off, do a doubleheader on Tuesday, and the third potential game on Wednesday. So if you're a team, you could sweep the doubleheader, and you've won that three-game set. Raymond Fossey is going to join us next. Is Ray going to like it or hate it? You'll find out right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live, broadcasting from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. It is Wednesday. What does that mean? Fossey Day. Raymond Fossey. For a half hour. Talking baseball. Talking A's baseball, Major League Baseball. And I can't wait for the scenario I'm going to run past Ray. And one of the great things is Ray Fossey is one of the last human beings to actually have a landline. So does Mark Gubaza, who's going to join us later. Gooby. Got to get an update on our guy, Mark Langston. See how he's doing after the heart attack. All right, play the play is open. Play is fancy open. <laughs> Wednesday is known as hump day for everyone during the work week. But on A's Cast Live, Wednesday means one thing. It's time for 30 uninterrupted minutes with the two-time World Series champion, two-time All-Star, two-time Rawlings Gold Glove winner, A's analyst on NBC California, and the face of the franchise, Ray Fossey. How we doing, Ray? Wonderful, my friend. How you doing, Tony? That is, I'm just amazed by that open. I mean, Cody did a great job writing it, and of course, Alex with the recording. And here you and I are on Hump Day, and it's just a great day because the weather is so good, it's so great, and baseball is right around the corner. It's a great time of the year, Tony. As you know that. Are you back in the Valley of the Sun? I'm getting ready to head back probably the next couple of days. So I am still in the Bay Area enjoying this fine weather, getting ready to go down there. I I usually show up when everybody shows up, uh, the full workout, pitchers and catchers. Tony, I've been to a lot of spring trainings. 
and you know there's just a lot it, it's very short for pitchers and catchers because they get to throwing in but once everybody gets there and of course the game starts that's when it all begins so uh, i'm getting ready i've been doing a lot of work so many things going on in baseball that we continue to talk about and it's going to continue to be talked about for a long time and especially now as pitchers and catchers and players report to spring training and you know what i'm talking about because it's already happening around baseball with some of the uh conversations amongst players uh, in the last couple of years on certain teams and the writers getting the information. And of course, that's really, <laughs> that's what baseball seems to be about right now. So it'd be great when the game start and uh, especially with the season, get through the spring training and get the team ready to go and, and start in uh, late March. It'd be a lot of fun. I want to throw a scenario at you and I, I want your opinion on this. Okay. All right. So, the season ends, and we have this new playoff <laughs> format. So there's going to be three teams in the National League, and there's going to be three teams in the American League, and it's basically they're going to be picked on where they got to go play in the playoffs. Can you just imagine these six teams, when their season's done, they got to get in the bus they got to go to the plane, and they got to sit there on the tarmac, and there's this TV show that everybody's watching around the country, and they're watching the top teams pick them. So let's say this year the New York Yankees would add the first pick. So on the tarmac in a plane is going to be the Rays, the Indians, and the Red Sox. And the Yankees, Brian Cashman, will get up there and say, we want to play Cleveland. We would have cameras inside Cleveland's airplane and when cleveland finds out we get the reaction of the players when the yankees pick them then all of a sudden it's wheels up and they're heading to new york this whole thing for me ray i know you may love it you may hate it but from a show standpoint there's so many different things that would make this an unbelievable show and entertainment my question to you tommy is why because i understand what you're saying in the entertainment but you know who has to be probably uh, maybe restructure the contracts would be the director of team travels. How about Mickey Morbido with the scenarios that you just presented, the traveling secretary is the one that has to have the hotels. He has to have the plane ready to go. He has to have all these things ready to take off. But I mean, granted it's entertainment, but Tony, this great game of baseball has been around for a long, long time. And I know a lot of changes are taking place and maybe some for the good, but I think there comes to a point now that the rules just came out for the new season. I'm sure you saw them with Major League Baseball and the three batter minimum. Uh, the, the challenges go from 30 to 20 seconds now. Uh, a lot of different things happening. The 26th man, 28 players in, po in uh, September. So a lot of those things are changing the game already. But now you expand it even more to this. Let me throw something at you, Tony. I spoke with someone who's been in baseball forever uh, this morning. And he brought up the scenario of, let's say, a particular team is guaranteed pretty much going to postseason. How would their attendance be affected? Because let's say a fan says, my team is going to postseason. Why should I buy tickets to the regular season when I can save my money for the postseason and buy seats for the postseason because my team is going to be there? So there's a lot of things that can go into this, Tony, that, yeah, on the surface, it looks like it's great and great entertainment. But, man, there's a lot of things that are going, going, going to go on, I think, during the season 
that maybe will will go against us. Now, let me throw something. Wait, wait, hold. Can can I respond Um, to that real quick? Let me respond to that. Sure. Whoever told you that is one hundred percent wrong. Because we as human beings, we like part. We like being a part of the big show. When when teams are doing well, we want to be a part of it. We want it's the it factor. We want to be there when something special happens. So even these teams that we've traditionally seen it, if you're a team that's blowing people away like the Astros or the Dodgers last year, people were still there in September loving it because you want to be a part of it. So whoever told you that, I'm not buying it. Well, no, I, I and I agree with you on that on that basis of what you're just saying. There are fans, and I'm sure. There are going to be a lot of fans that say, I'm going to watch my team play. And we're going to see that with the Oakland A's fans because they're going to enjoy this team starting from day one in late March all the way to the end of the season. And they're going to enjoy that. And maybe some of those people can't afford to, to pay the price of the tickets in postseason. But, Tony, I think another thing that, that happens, let's say you mentioned the three top teams. You have the division leaders, those three in each league, the American and National League. So you have the six teams. But if you start going down, already there are two wild cards in each, each league. That makes 10 teams total out of 30. Now you expand that, you could, you could feasibly have a team with the seventh best record or maybe the 14th best, uh, worst record, or best record, I guess you could put it, that could win a world championship. Now, you could say, well, what's wrong with that? I think if you get to, to October, if you're a hot team, you've got a chance to win no matter where you are. And you could be – like I said, number 14, you could be number one. If you get hot, you can run the table and be a world champion. So I, I think there's, there are a lot of things that go into this, Townie. And, you know, there are a lot of things that are going to be talked about, just like the attendance, just like with the, the wild card winners and all the records of different people. You know what I think is, too, is going to happen, to your point, that let's say a team that gets down close to the end, that maybe they say, we need to improve our club so we can be one of those 14 teams they go to postseason. So, so there are a lot of factors that go into this, but um, there are going to be positives and negatives. Uh, what you said is very true because I know people want to watch baseball. The, the greatest thing about watching baseball regular season, especially at the Coliseum, uh, when, when Claywood has this field so great, and now that the baseball is going to be the only team played, that's going to be a, a pristine stadium team or, or field all the way through to the end of the season and postseason. So I think that's the beauty of going out and looking and watching a baseball game with that beautiful Coliseum and the environment being there. You want to be a part of it. So, I mean, it's going to be banter back and forth. I just mentioned about one person said to me this morning, and I agree with you that, yes, people are going to watch during the regular season because, Tony, you and I know when we've been to New York, those fans, 50,000-plus, they want to just annihilate the team they're playing. They don't care who they're playing. They want their Yankees to win. Every team should feel that same way about their home team, no matter who they play, you go out to support that team that you're, you're like, like, for example, the Oakland A's, you support them and you hope every team that comes in, you're going to beat them badly. So think about being a team that's selected. What kind of chip, let's say, let's say you're on the Indians <laughs> and, and the Yankees yeah. select you. What kind of chip are you going to have on your shoulder heading to New York as the Indians? <laughs> No, there's going to be a lot of chips on shoulders. You're, you're right. And, and, you know, because in reality, you, you start looking probably if you're one of the premier teams, let's say you're throwing out the Yankees, you know, they're probably going to know going down the stretch. They're going to be one of those teams that get to, ch- to select. And they're going to look at a team that maybe doesn't have the pitching, maybe doesn't have a certain offense. And let's not forget, too, 
that home field advantage, while the A's didn't experience that last uh, October, having the Rays in town, because it just didn't work out. But the one part about this whole scenario I like is that the wild card series is three games, the best of three. I think that, to me, is one of the positives, and especially for a team like the Oakland A's that has not had a lot of success, much any success, being a part of that one-game scenario or much less a division in a five-game scenario. So I think there are a lot of changes that could benefit a lot of teams. But I agree with you. If you're a team and you get the cameras in the Cleveland, per se, uh, per se uh, plane, and they say, oh, really? You think we're going to be okay? We'll show you. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I agree. Uh-huh. I think that's going to be exactly right. And, uh, you know, you, you just hope because the chip on your shoulder can only go so far. You have to have the talent to be able to beat them. And I, I think, uh, but but I agree with you. That that's going to be something that uh, could be very exciting for all of baseball. So Billy Bean came in power, taking over the A's after the '97 season. If we had this playoff format the whole time <laughs> under Billy Bean, the A's would have been in the, been in the playoffs 13 times. That amazing. That's incredible. That is incredible. And, and you know, you just you, you don't like to hear all the the, the statistics about. You know, the A's haven't done this, haven't done that. You'd like to see them go into postseason in advance like they did in, uh, what, uh, 06 when they swept the Minnesota Twins, unfortunately swept by the Tigers. But, no, I think given that opportunity and, and you know, the more teams, you, what you're really looking at, right now baseball has 10. I, you know football and, and basketball better than I, but there seem to be a lot of teams involved in those postseason berths uh, in those two sports. I don't know about hockey. But I do know that baseball has risen to 10 because of the two wild cards. At one time, it was when the American League played the National League World Series, and you're going home October the 10th versus now playing possibly into November. There are a lot of changes, but uh, if that's what excites people, if that's what gets people out to watch baseball, then whatever is necessary, the game has to change. It needs to change and probably will change just because they want the fans to go out in larger numbers to watch their teams play. So the three-pitcher minimum is now a new rule. Like it three or batter get, minimum. Three batter three, minimum. Three batter minimum. Right. P- pitchers right. got to pay three batters. How do you like it? You know, um, I, I said before on our show that uh, Terry Francona, very good manager, uh, very outspoken about he likes to manipulate the bullpen, use lefties and righties. Uh, I'd say, like, if you watch a game – and let's say a starting pitcher on both teams goes at least six. That game typically will fly by pretty quickly. Once the relievers start to come in, all of a sudden it's a snail's pace. It starts to slow down, and you have lefty, righty, righty, lefty, the whole thing coming on. So on that premise that, yes, maybe it can speed up the game a little bit, you'll have less uh, uh, mound visits by the manager to make a pitching change, et cetera. But the thing that I don't like, and I'm sure from the association standpoint, let's not forget the CBA collective bargaining agreement goes through 21. Uh, so two more years under the current status. But if I were part of that, and they had to sign off on it, so I'm sure they had players saying, hey, you cost me a job. Because in case of Ryan Bookter, he was designated for assignment or at least non-tendered because his numbers against lefties were better than righties. So if there was a possibility that he had to face, say, two righties after one lefty, maybe it would not work out. Uh, Mark Satinsky, basically, you know, a third of an inning or one batter. That was it. Um, those are two names that come to mind. But I think there are some pitchers that basically, uh, if you're lefty or righty now, you're going to have to get both 
lefties and righties out, depending which side you pitch on, because you're going to have to face the three unless it's the final out of an inning, uh, according to that rule. But, uh, you know, the pace of the game, I think the one thing, Tony, uh, and I heard Scott Emerson doing a, a podcast, and I was going to talk to him about this when we get out of spring training, because of the paranoia about sign stealing. Now, you're talking about pace of game. I think the game will be slowed down considerably because I would be shocked if every team does not use multiple signs regardless of whether there's runners on base or not. And that's going to create time because let's say a pitcher doesn't like the sign that a catcher gives. He has to go through the multiple signs again. That takes time. So the pace of the game, I think, will slow down based on that, whereas a lot of these other new rules, like the three-batter minimum and 22nd on a challenge versus 30, I think some of those will not be as – well, I don't think that's going to create the, the, the lesser pace of game than maybe a catcher and pitcher having to go through multiple signs. You know, I, he, you, would, you would have to be a moron – to have electronic sign stealing at this point. I mean, cause uh, oh, gosh, yeah. Y- yeah, you're looking at you're you're looking at it from a standpoint where I don't know if AJ Hinch and Alex Cora and Jeffrey Luno and Carlos Beltran will ever get a job again in major league baseball. Like you are That's literally, you're literally risking your career. You're and and if you get caught now after what's happened, we don't know what's going to go on with Boston. But if you get caught, if you get caught like this season, you probably you probably will get the death penalty. But Tony, you know what you're saying is exactly right. But remember what happened in a certain era of baseball where they said the same thing, and it's still being done. Uh, and you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But but I, I think. I think it's still, regardless of whether the technology, they're not going to allow probably to have anybody in, let's say with Adam Rode, our video coordinator, nobody's going to need to, or can be around him. It's probably going to be so secure. It's unbelievable. And, you know, all those things are going to happen. But I still think that just like with any other thing, some things can happen and change the game, but you're still going to have, I, I still would be shocked if, if I say to Tommy as our director for, for NBC Sports California, I say, Tommy, can you show me the catcher? And I think I'm going to be as shocked as anybody if I see the A's catcher using one sign at any point in a ball game. I just think it's going to be something that's going to be used, and I think there's going to be some problems occur because of that. But uh, I, I think the paranoia of sign stealing is still going to be there, regardless of whether technology is involved or not. And it should never be involved. Technology shouldn't be, just because that is – uh, unleveling the playing field. It's not a level playing field when you use technology like was done from 17 and sounds like even before that in 15 with a certain team. So I, I still think there are a lot of things that need to be changed. Are you surprised as I am that the manager of the Red Sox has not been named because no penalties or nothing has really been said about whether they're going to be penalized for what they supposedly did in 18? Ron Rennick, he was named the interim manager. And up until, what, today or yesterday, there still was not a manager for the Red Sox. But nothing had been done by the commissioner's office with regard to the Red Sox. How surprised are you about that? Yeah, I mean, we, we Manfred made it seem last week that was coming down this week. Nothing's yep. happened today. We got two more days. We'll see. But now, I, I, I can tell you, Ray, over the weekend, I was down at Pebble Beach, and I saw Justin Verlander for two holes. People were yelling cheater. Same thing with Jim Crane, the owner. And now that we've gotten to spring training, the the questions are starting to come out. 
And Bob Melvin said, quote, everyone was fed up with it. I kind of had to sit on this, but I knew I could start. I, I kind of let people know because I knew the A's were like the original team to complain to Major League Baseball saying these guys are cheating. We know stuff's going on. And they did this years ago. It's amazing how long it took baseball to finally investigate. But the A's are one of the teams that knew this was going on. I agree 100%, Tony, because I was there when it was going on, and I said a number of times on television, it seems like these hitters know what's coming. And obviously they must have because when you, 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 know, you can tell certain things that a hitter does when he is swinging. And, and let's not forget that when a pitcher delivers a baseball, a hitter has less than one second to determine what the pitch is, whether he's going to swing, the whole thing. So it's, it's so critical. But think about if you're standing at the plate and you know what's coming. You change everything because you're dead set on that certain pitch that you know is coming, whether it's a location, whether it's the type of pitch. And you can watch hitters. They will tell you, as far as I'm concerned, having been a catcher, I can tell when a hitter is standing there, unless he is just up there with a bat on his shoulder saying, I'm going to take the first pitch no matter what. That rarely, rarely happens. But when you see a hitter not move on a changeup, something's going on. Because the arm speed, the arm slot, everything is the same as a fastball. You gear for a fastball, changeup comes in 10 mile an hour slower, and you have that check swing. You, your body moves forward. If you don't see that, you know something's going on. Or you see guys turn on a fastball inside that just, again, like they know it's coming. Or they take a breaking ball away from them, a nasty breaking ball, righty on righty, and, and line the ball to the opposite field. You know, a lot of those things – it's difficult to hit a baseball, probably the most difficult thing in all of sports, and that is to hit a baseball. It's very hard to do because these pitchers are talented. Hitters are great, but it's still a very difficult thing. That's why I probably never see another 400 hitter. That's getting four hits out of every 10 at bats. You know, I don't think it'll ever be done again. You're, you're lucky and you're happy to hit 300 plus, but you're still making seven outs because these pitchers are that good. But uh, still, back to the fact that if you know something's coming, you know a pitch is coming, it changes everything. And I've been on both sides, and I know it affects, it affects the hitter, sometimes to the detriment, just because you look for a pitch, you know it's coming, and you change everything. And that's why, Townie, on a 3-0 pitch, if you have a hitter who's successful 3-0, because probably 99 out of 100 times, it's going to be a fastball, and you're going to look for that and hit it. And if you have success, you're a great 3-0 hitter. But that's essentially knowing what's coming, even though you don't, because it could be Maybe instead of a 95 fastball, maybe it's a 90. Maybe the pitcher just wants to get a, a fastball over for a strike so he takes something off, and that can fool a hitter. But that's, to me, comparable a little bit to a hitter who stands the plate and knows what's coming. And, you know, it, it's, it's going to happen because I can, I can envision that every time an Astros hitter makes an out in a visiting park, what are the fans going to say? Hey, you didn't know what was coming. I mean, it's, it's got to happen, just like with Verlander and Jim Crane down at Pebble Beach, you know, the same thing. The Astros are going to have to go through a lot, and that's why Dusty Baker, their manager, probably is the best thing that Jim Crane did and the Astros did in hiring Dusty Baker because he can probably control a lot of that, at least be a, a stabilizing force for the, for the Houston Astros, considering what they're going to go through. On the other side, let's not forget what Mike Fires, I think, will be applauded soundly very loudly in every park the A's go to in 2020 just because people will appreciate the fact of what he did and I, I still don't 
by the fact that what stays in the clubhouse, you know, stays there. Sure, that's true. But if you're traded and there are things going on like what's going on with the Astros, that's the first thing you're going to tell your new team. Hey, be careful because they're doing some certain things and cheating. You're going to help your team. And I think, you know, as Scott Emerson said, if the Astros really want to keep Mike Fires quiet, they should have kept him. And you, you know, and I think there's a lot of truth to that. But uh, it's going to be an interesting season. But, Tony, uh, let's get to starting in baseball because it's going to be fun regardless. It's still a great game, and I think that's what we all have to look forward to is a great game of baseball starting uh, – very soon. You know, I want you to think back to your guys' broadcast on NBC California because you guys have what, what we call a crowd mic, and you have a microphone that's that's behind home plate. Do you ever recall hearing some banging going on? Because your microphones would pick that up. You know, Tony, I wasn't listening for it, so the answer is no. I didn't hear it because, you know, if, if I had been listening, maybe I would have. But, you, you know, if, if, if you're going into something and looking for something, then, yes, maybe that can happen. But what I do know that in 2018, when certain things were happening, I do know that the A's changed their signs. And I remember talking to a pitcher that I said before, he said, man, all these difficult signs, you know, I, I've got it. So, so the A's at that point at least then knew because they changed the signs. And coincidentally, it was a series in which the A's were close to the Astros and it's almost like the Astros said, we have to win the first game because we don't want the A's to leave in first place or be even closer. Because remember last year, the A's were the only team that, that won a series in Houston, winning three out of four in the last time they were in town after getting one out with 15 to nothing in the first game. They scored 21 in the second game. So, you know, things are changing. And you have Bob Melvin, a former catcher, knows the importance of trying to make signs difficult for the opposing team, but you don't want to make them too difficult that your own pitcher doesn't know. <laughs> and if they're, you know, and I'm serious about that yeah. because, you know, it's, it's fans this year. Let's not forget. What is it? Five trips to the mound. That's it. I think five is, is now the most you can go to the mound and that's a, an infielder manager, coach, catcher, anybody that goes to the mound, that's counted as a mound visit. Well, now you have a running third. And now your catcher is given a sign, multiple signs. You pray that the pitcher knows what you're calling because if he doesn't, you're crossed up, that run's going to score. So I think there's a lot more things that can happen because of just a simple sign-stealing uh, technology that's been going on that's going to change the game a lot. And, you know, it, it's, it's the old thing about keep it simple, stupid. You almost have to make signs so simple that everybody's going to get them except the opposing team and Tony. I know that I, I could give you signs right now that you could never tell what pitch I'm calling. And that's just simple signs, you know, and it can be done. I think people are making more out of trying to change it based on even count, odd count, number of outs, number of innings, the whole thing, you know, that creates a lot of thinking by the pitcher. But if, if you simplify the signs, which I, I use a set that I don't think could ever be decoded just because of the different indicator that I used. And, and that's something that can be done if you go to that extreme. And it can be used for every pitcher, not having a different set of signs for each pitcher. But, you know, it's a, it's a great game. You throw the ball, you hit the ball, you catch the ball, you hopefully have more runs than the other team, and you win the game. But, man, you're making it. It's, it's become very complicated now to watch everything that's going on. If you were catching Mariano Rivera, would you even put a sign down? <laughs> No, because I could tell the hitter what's coming in. He still couldn't hit it. Cutter, cutter, difficult. cutter. 
Exactly. And, and you know, I, I may have said this, and, and, but it, I think Bears repeating because Jim Tomey, the Hall of Famer, the left-handed hitter, and it was devastating. That cutter from Mariano Rivera in on the hands of a left-handed hitter. And so Tomey would just kind of gradually move back, move back off the plate so that whenever Mariano threw the cutter on the inside part of the plate, he could make it more like it was in the middle of the plate and hit it. But he said Jorge Posada kept watching him, and that's the importance of a catcher, to watch the hitter and especially his feet. What is he doing? Well, as Tommy moved back farther from the plate, Jorge Posada moved with him. So, in essence, what Mariano was doing to Tommy was the same that he did when he's in normal position, but that's, again, part of that. But Rivera, he could tell him what's coming, and you still couldn't hit it. It was just such an unbelievable pitch. And I think the reputation of Mariano Rivera coming into a game was so great for the Yankees and Rivera that it, it just it was almost well it's over 600 saves. I think it says a lot about the the, um, the excellence of Mariano Rivera and the only player to go in Cooperstown unanimously. So yeah, great pitch. But kind of you know you know one of the best things that a catcher can do is tell the hitter what's coming because he will never believe you. You think about it. If you're hitting at the plate and I say Towner, here comes a fastball. What? What are you telling me that for? And then here comes the fastball. You, you say, well, you were right, but you won't believe it. And most hitters, I've, I had a hitter one time tell me as pitcher was going through a set of signs, and he kept shaking me off. He said, throw what you want. And the hitter said, oh, no, 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 no. If you don't know what's coming, I don't want to be up here. And so, <laughs> you know, you, you, can, you can get into a hitter's mind by just saying, hey, here comes the fastball. I had a situation where I told – we're in Venezuela when they're playing – and, and the hitter went 0 for 4, and I went 0 for 4. We knew what was coming. I mean, that, that's, that's what happens. Because, again, if you know what's coming, you have to be disciplined because otherwise you're going to jump out of your shoes saying, okay, here comes a fastball. I'm going to crush it. And you end up popping it up or, or getting on top of it. You get off balance with your swing. And that's why there are some hitters that say, I don't want to know what's coming. I want to just react on a pitch that I may be looking for or a, a location I may be looking for. So while the Astros were accused of utilizing sign stealing by players, it doesn't mean that every one of those offensive players were taking those signs because some would not be able to perform at their best if they knew what was coming. The Pakota projections by baseball prospectus didn't give the A's a whole lot of love. They got the Astros. No, they didn't. They got the Astros at ninety-eight wins. They have the Angels at eighty-seven, and the A's at eighty-five. But I, I do kind of understand because we had the guy on who who was a big part of it, and it, it's like we know this team way better than other people know this team. But if you really, if you were yeah. on the outside looking in, you'd say, okay, uh, you only got five starts out of Mania. You you have no idea what Puck and Lazaro are. Frankie Montas didn't pitch half the year. The only guy that was yeah. in the rotation the whole time was Mike Fires, and Chris Bassett gave you some good starts and then to the bullpen. I think we know how strong the starting staff is, but I can tell from the outside looking in, if you just look at the numbers, you'd go, eh, I'm not so sure. And I, and that's a great point, and I agree with you 100%, because looking outside in, because, uh, you know, I, I believe the A's can win – Maybe not 97. Who knows what it's going to take to win the division? Because if it's a level playing field, maybe it won't take 97. It won't take 107. Who knows? But I agree with you. But what I like about the A's starting staff, and especially if they go to Chris Bassett and maybe a sixth to give a couple of those young pitchers some time off, 
uh, a day off to get a little bit of extra rest and minimize the innings, or at least control the innings, I think that could be beneficial. To Tony, as we all say at this time of the year, you're hoping for health. And I think if those pitchers, the five-plus Bassett, if those guys are healthy and they can take the ball every fifth day or ever, whatever they decide to do, the A's and Scott Emerson and Bob Melvin, whatever they decide to do, if those guys stay healthy, this is going to be an outstanding rotation. And the bullpen's getting better. Luke Trevino's going to have a, a, a much better year. Liam Hendricks stepped in as a closer. I mean, there's so many positives about this club that it was it, – that's why this is such a great time for the A's to get started because they did nothing – during the offseason because they didn't have to. It was just getting ready with the added year of experience for a lot of the players and getting ready for 2020. But I agree with you. The Angels are going to be good. The Astros, under the circumstances, will still be good. But I think the A's are going to be better. And I think that's why, and we're looking at some, pick the A's to win the division. And that's the goal that the A's have going forward and starting in in uh, March, and that is to win the division and have a guaranteed, regardless of the postseason scenario, but have a guarantee of a first round of at least five games. If you're a catcher, at what point in spring training do you say, oh, my God, i got to catch another bullpen? I mean, there's got to be a point where you've had enough. <laughs> well, remember, when you look at a roster and you see the A's have three catchers on the roster, you look at the non-roster invitees. Those are a lot of catchers. Um, I experienced that, but, you know, Let's think about something, too, along those lines in the regular season because there's been a lot of talk about Sean Murphy and, and maybe having a veteran. Uh, but remember, too, now that the A's have two bullpen catchers, the catcher who is not catching, and let's say he's a veteran, he can sit on the bench and he can go along with, say, Sean Murphy, and they can talk in between innings about pitches that were called, uh, about the opposing hitters. That's one of the benefits now of having – the bullpen catchers, because that extra catcher, the backup catcher, does not have to go to the bullpen. And let's say he's a veteran, or even just in the case of Sean Murphy and whomever, they can talk between innings along with the pitcher and Scott Emerson. But in spring training, Tony, my first camp I ever went to, I went to the Cleveland Indians, and I warmed up so many pitchers that whenever I got to hit, I couldn't because my legs were shaking so much from catching and squatting down and catching all these pitchers. So from that point forward, my next spring, first thing I got in shape were my legs because everybody wants to hit. And the last thing I wanted to do is warm up so many pitchers that when I got to the plate, I couldn't. And I made sure after that first year, first spring training that I could. But, but yeah, it's, uh, it's changed. Um, but, you know, the important thing for, let's say, Sean Murphy is to catch as many pitchers as he can because he needs to familiarize himself. He caught in the spring of last year. He also caught in September. But he has, you know, the more you catch him, the better it's going to be, the more confidence they have in you. And I think going forward in the season where Sean Murphy is your number one catcher and hopefully can catch 125, 130 games, and the pitchers and catch and he work together, that's going to be the best because you, as a pitcher, want to look at that catcher. And Tanner Roark did it last year when he pitched to, uh, to Sean Murphy. He said, wow, this kid knows what he's doing. So that's the great thing about pitcher-catcher relationship. So if it means you warm up more pitchers in the spring training to make you more comfortable in the regular season, you do that. But the most important thing, and they, the players are allowed to do this now because they don't have to do much in the offseason to get ready for the next season. So I would assume that Sean Murphy, who we saw at FanFest, is going to be ready and uh, be able to catch as many as he wants to. All right, Fossey, take next week off, and we'll talk to you the week after. No, 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 no. You take the next week off. Where are you going? 
Uh, I'm taking the kids to D.C. and Philadelphia and New yeah. York, and we're gonna do a little. We're gonna do a little history trip. You know what? You you said that before. I just wanted to remind everybody exactly what you're doing because that is a great trip to take. Your kids are gonna love it. The twins, you're gonna love it, and I think it's gonna be tremendous. And plus, you can do a scouting report on the city because the A's go to Boston, Washington, and New York in one trip next year. Uh, this this coming year, late I think it's in August. So you can do a scouting report on the cities. Oh, I got, I got, trust me. I got I got restaurants lined <laughs> up. I'll have a scouting report for you. Tony, that's why I admire you because when you do travel, you don't just sit in the hotel room and go to the park. You go out and you see the sights. You did it in the off season with that other team, and now you're going to do it again. So uh, you have a great week, great trip. I'll talk to you the next time from Arizona, and I'll look forward to seeing you down there. We can uh, expand all of this. But Actually, I'm going Cody- to join you in Vegas and then go to That's Arizona right. with you. That's perfect. That's perfect. So you get to fly on the charter. You can, you, you and I can gamble. You, you and I can gamble all night. No, we're not. No, I don't do that, man. <laughs> hey, listen. Remember, I played a, I played a summer in Reno, Nevada, and no, no. I saw a catcher get promoted from A ball to triple A because of his gambling. And I said, nope, not me. I'm not going to do that. So you can do that. I'm going to do baseball. But it would be great to do that. Give Cody a week off also because he does a tremendous job. And I think you have Mark Gubazov following. You did you already have Mad Dog on? We had Mad Dog on. We got Gooby on at 3.30. Yeah, good, good. Hey, you're, you're a great producer. The commander, man, he gets them lined up, and you, you do a great job once you get them, but Cody continues to do a great job. You do great, my friend. I'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Have a fun time with the family next week back east. Take care, Foss. All right, my friend. Take care. The great Ray Fossey right here on A's Cast Live. Coming up, Swishalicious, Nick Swisher going big on the Astros. Bob Melvin talks about the Astros. We've got a little Bowmel for you next right here on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Now back to the town. Here's Chris Townsend. Spring training games are right around the corner. It's going to be great. Get your tickets now. Get your buddies, a little sunscreen, a couple cold ones, beautiful Mesa, Arizona. It doesn't get any better. I'm telling you, you go down to spring training, you'll get hooked. Tickets are on sale right now. Do not miss out. Giants, Cubs, Dodgers, Padres, D-backs, Brewers, White Sox. Royals. Who am I missing? I get them all? No, I get them. There's like 15 teams. You know what I'm saying. Get your tickets at athletics.com slash spring. That's athletics.com slash spring. And don't forget, single game tickets are on sale now. Right now. Don't, Don't miss out. Got a great home schedule. Pack the ballpark. Stars are coming to town. Trout, Acuna Jr., the polar bear, Pete Alonzo, and, of course, you have your stars, Simeon, Chapman, Olsen. Get your tickets at athletics.com slash tickets. That's athletics.com slash tickets. Nick Swisher 
said on Fox Sports Radio today, they should strip the Astros of their title. He says no one likes a liar and no one likes a cheater, and they are both. (laughs) Do we have Bob Melvin? Bob, I mean, this is the thing. Everybody's got to talk about it. This is what these guys have caused. There's somebody out there. I can't remember the player's name. Somebody out there suing the Astros because he got roughed up by him. Mike Bolsinger, former pitcher for the Dodgers, Blue Jays. He got roughed up as a Blue Jay in 2017. And he's suing him for what, $31 million? Yeah, for damages up to $31 million. It's pretty crazy, but, you know, it's he went to civil court and filed, the, you know, filed it. So Here's the problem for Bob Melvin. As Bob Melvin and David Forrest have told the San Francisco Chronicle, that they knew about it, they complained about it. I I knew that already. I just couldn't come out blatantly and say it when I knew it. But A.J. Hinch and Bob Bob Melvin know each other well. And A.J. Hinch didn't have the, the stones to stop it. He didn't like it, but I guess he was afraid that Carlos Beltran and the clubhouse would revolt on him. He was powerless, as the athletic put. Powerless. And there was a point. Nah, maybe I shouldn't say this. All right, let's hear from uh, Bob Melvin. He's being asked about the Astros. Well, I, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm glad we're at this point right now. And obviously, Mike had a lot to do with that. So, you know, the, the game's better for it uh, from this point going forward. So, I think it's all about just kind of moving past right now and, and you know, getting through a lot of the issues that, that you saw and, and you know, that's it's supposed to be equal playing field and it wasn't. So I think MLB's done the right thing to move forward and, and you know, handle it how they've handled it. And I, you know, hopefully at some point in time, we're not a- answering a bunch of questions about that. I understand. Um, but I don't think anybody was too happy about, you know, a lot of the things that you're seeing come out and, uh, you know, at some point in time we have to move past it. How did you feel personally considering you guys are the ones that finished second to that the last two years? Yeah, nobody's happy about it. I mean, I, you know, whether it's an individual, whether it's a team, uh, you know, whether it's the Yankees that they were playing in the postseason, whether it was us and, you know, other teams in our division, I think everybody uh, kind of was fed up with it. So, you know, we move forward and, you know, hopefully it's taken care of. How do you think Mike will be received this year? I think, as you're seeing right now, and, and more things coming out, um, I think he'll be looked up upon as, as a guy that you know got us to this point, and uh, it was going to take that. I think to um, you know MLB does a great job of monitoring these things, but it's very difficult. The team calls in and complains about something. You know they can only do so much. I think it, it, it took a player and a player that was on that team to, to kind of you know put it over the top, and you know and I think MLB is handling it really well right now. What do you say? Yeah, that's the thing that that you, you you don't want to make national news. That's the thing. It's like I'm sure Bob has a much different opinion of that than what he just told you. But the minute you you go after him, now it's it's everywhere. It's going to be all over Twitter. It'll go viral, and then they're going to have the soundbite. You know, you just don't want to be dealing with that. I mean, obviously, he said, hey, listen, a lot of people were fed up with it. They knew. They knew it was going on. 
And, I, you know, the way you read The Athletic and Carlos Beltran and, you know, he's the leader of it and everybody was afraid of it. I mean, come on. They're making Carlos Beltran out to be like he was Babe Ruth. Like he's Barry Bonds. You're trying to tell me that nobody in that club, they were all afraid. What, what's he going to do to you? He's going to beat you up? What's who's, Carlos Beltran, I... I mean, I think he's a. I think he was a Hall of Famer. I, I don't know how it'll work out now for him. But I don't care if you're a young player. What you, they're going to force you, force you to do it? How are they going to force you to do it? What are you going to do to me? I mean, seriously, you guys are a bunch of. How do I want to phrase this? I need to be careful about this. I mean, your integrity is completely being challenged, and no one could stand up to Carlos Beltran? Really? How big is Carlos Beltran? One thing about Carlos Beltran, a lot of people don't know, he made a lot of money. He made over well over $200 million. And he could walk down the street and you wouldn't even know who he is. 6'1", 215. That's what it says on baseball. I six one two fifteen. That's a decent sized guy. That's not a monster. I mean, everybody in this. I mean, the the six sources in the athletic. Everybody was so afraid of Carlos Beltran. I guess you could kind of see that as the manager. But if that's who you are as a manager, I don't want you as my manager. You know, that's where AJ Hinch is probably just trying to keep a job. Because he knows that the front office is totally down for it. Even though Jeffrey Lou, now the emails were too long. I can't read that long of emails. I don't have that kind of time. Now the front office, everybody knew. Everybody knew. Everybody in baseball knew. Go read the Washington Post. See, this is what, once again, I'm not right, right a lot, but I've been right on this one, that... More stuff was going to come out. The leaks as six players talked about it to the athletic. And now they're starting to name the names. We were all afraid of Carlos Beltran. It's not our fault. What'd they call him? The King? They're that they have these nicknames it's, for him. El Jefe meaning the boss, but they also the email that the Wall Street Journal got uh regarded Carlos Beltran as the godfather. The Godfather. Oh, Alex Bregman was scared. Carlos Correa was scared. Jose Altuve was scared. And now it's fishier than ever. You know the whole. Someone put that. This you you want to know where it's gone? Is there's a picture of Jose Altuve out on Twitter right now? A video of him dancing and pulling his shirt up and and doing all that and dancing and showing his abs, but. When he doesn't want his jersey ripped off, and the rumors are out there that you're, they're using buzzers, he said, "My wife, my wife doesn't like it." I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed. Wait, who, I, who did the the something fell off the player? Was it Marwin Gonzalez? Where something fell off of him? They have it on video, and he picks it up and puts it in his back pocket, and people think it was like a, a thumb buzzer. Uh, I don't know if it was Marwin. He did apologize though. Oh, he well, he he said sorry, and then had no info. You know, it's funny. 
we get sorry, and then we get no information on it. I went back and looked. Remember that website, signsillingscandal.com? Out of 776 total pitches that year, Marwin Gonzalez had there was 147 bangs, which came out to 19%. That year, Marwin Gonzalez hit 303 with 23 homers and drove in 90 runs, and he finished in the top 20 of the MVP. Uh, he hasn't broke 20 home runs since. Well, then, or hit that high. And we found out they're doing it on the road. So stop looking at the splits. Stop looking at the splits. Because they were doing it on the road. They were doing it everywhere. What was that? See, I take so many pictures of, gra- of graphics on MLB Network. Remember the one I sent out and people got all mad? Oh, yeah, here it is. So... The splits in 2017 in the playoffs for Bregman. He hit 273 at home. He hit 154 on the road. Altuve hit 472 at home, hit 143 on the road. But during the, during the season in his MVP year, he hit 311 at home and 381 on the road. So it's a complete well, reverse. Well, that's the thing. We know at some point they were using it on the road. We just don't know when. And that's why when you're not transparent, it leads for more questions. It's like the baseball. Does anybody feel good about what was said about the baseball? I can't remember which Dodger it was, but this Dodger cranked one into right center. And as soon as he hit it, he started pimping it, and the outfielder caught it at the wall. And that's what I was thinking. Well, if it was a if it was a ball that they used during the regular season, that's why he thought it was out because that ball's during the regular season. That ball would have been out if you believe the conspiracy theory that they use different baseballs. When you're not transparent, you leave all these questions out there. You you allow us conspiracy theorists to dream up all these different things that possibly could have been going on. A.J. Hinch was asked, A.J. Hinch was asked about the buzzers, and he didn't want to answer the question. Major League Baseball did the investment. No, no, I'm asking you a yes or no question. Did you and your ball club use buzzers Stuff, something stuck to players that you because you know at some point they can't keep banging trash cans. It just becomes too obvious. So the technology keep you're they're they're looking for new ways. You know because at first at first it came out that they only doing it 2017. What a crock! There's no way you win a World Series doing this and stop the next year. They didn't. They were using it in 2018, but teams caught on. And once once teams caught on, I would say this. I would say the information became less reliable. So then you stop doing it. I guarantee you that's what happened. Because once teams started changing all their signs, like like in the World Series. Multiple people tipped the Nationals off, including Alex Cora, of all people, that what Houston's doing. So they had all they had all kinds of signs going on, the Nationals did. Well, if they got that going on, 
you're a hitter, you go, okay, I don't want signs anymore because you don't you don't know if it's perfected or not. You know, it is Black History Month, and we've been honoring great African-American baseball players. I learned something today that blew my mind. Ricky Henderson is going to go into the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame. What blew my mind is, how is he not in? He went into the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame, like, how many years He's ago? He's in the 11 Baseball years ago. Hall of Fame. He's not in the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame? He's joining, I think, Bryant Young, and uh, there's a few other people, and Bruce Bochy so far, the people going in. Neither of those guys are Bay Area guys. Bochy just stopped not managing so- last year, and he's already going in. Ricky went into the Baseball Hall of Fame 11 years ago. How did, like, that, that, that just blew my mind. He's actually a Bay Area, grew up in Oakland. He's a baseball Hall of Famer, and he's not in the Bay Area sport. That's just I, – I was like, are you sure about that? Like, how is he not in there? It was crazy when, you know, I saw I saw not about saying it. Bryant, Bryant Young was a great player. Bruce Bochy's a great manager. Nothing against them. I'm just saying, how is a homegrown baseball Hall of Famer not in the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame? As you said, he went into the Baseball Hall of Fame 11 years ago. Who's running Bayshoff? Great question. I mean, we used, we used to know whenever we worked at the old station because we used to do Bayshoff auctions live on the air, but not anymore. He's a two-time World Series champion, a 10-time All-Star, a Rawlings Gold Glove winner. He's the all-time leader in stolen bases, 1,406. He's the all-time leader in runs. Think about that. 2,295. He's 26th in hits, 3,055. 4th in games played, 3,081. Only Rose, Yaz, and the great Hank Aaron played more. And everybody will remember this steal. It was incredible. The A's having come from behind a 3 a one nothing deficit. Ricky goes, a pitch ticket. He's going to have it. He does. Ricky Henderson... No contest, steals third base, jerks the bag from its moorings, and holds it aloft, representing number 939. Ricky pounds it with his left fist, hands it to equipment manager Frank Sinchek, who gives him a big hug as Ricky's mom. Again, talking about the uh, game <laughs> being forgotten. <laughs> and Lou Brock, probably the happiest guy on the field right now. He can finally make his speech, pass over the record to Ricky, and go about his business. That's legends right there. Ford C. Frick Award winners. Lon Simmons and the great Bill King. And the last guy, the face of the franchise, Ray Fossey. That's unbelievable. 939 by year 1991. You'll never see someone like that again. The game has changed. No one's going to give somebody a green light like that again. What an amazing player. Ricky Henderson, I don't know who the best player is all the time. I don't. 
But if you're going to have a conversation about it, he's in the conversation. Babe Ruth is in the conversation. Ted Williams in the conversation. Hank Aaron, Willie Mays. If you allow Superberry in the conversation, Superberry's numbers, he's in the conversation. There's Hall of Famers, and then there's that next-level Hall of Famers. And Ricky is in that next level. Like, who didn't vote for Ricky Henderson? Probably the same person that vote for Derek Jeter. Like, you see Ricky Henderson on your ballot. The guy scored the most runs. In the, the name of the game is scoring more runs than your opponent. If you score more runs than your opponent, you win the game. And he scored more runs than anybody. Guy would absolutely take over playoff series. Just take him over. He was a winner. Mark Gubazaw is going to join us in moments. Talk about the Angels and the Astros. Gooby, how are you? What's going on, man? Oh, we got a lot. We got a lot going on, obviously. But first of all, uh, my guy, Mark Langston. How is Mark Langston doing in his recovery? He's he's doing great. Uh, we, I text him. We talk to each other quite a bit. Uh, feels completely 100% normal. Pretty much felt that way as soon as he got back from, uh, you know, the hospital in Houston, believe it or not, even though considered how crazy and challenging that was for him that uh, everything seems to be going great and he's going to be ready to go once the season starts yeah him and Steve Sparks with the Astros two of the best guys in the game and uh, praying for him no, no doubt about it how has the offseason been for you how's the offseason been for the Angels well it's been really busy I mean they've you know starts with pretty much right off this the start of the season when Joe Madden was hired as the manager so uh that was great to see, and uh, he brought right away. I mean, it, it's home for him. He was been part of the Angel organization for a million years, it seemed to be, and went out and had success in Tampa. Obviously, had success there in Chicago as well. But he was really, really excited to be back, and it's great to have that that energy that he always brings on a daily basis. And you can see it already just from the clips I've seen down in spring training and just through his meetings and stuff. How cool it is to uh, see that happening. Yeah, it just it, it seems like the it the the perfect fit. Yeah, you know, they needed that. Uh, you know, he's a kind of a blends old school and new school baseball together, and, and that's where the game has evolved into. And I think it's you're seeing that more and more around where you don't just lean one way and then, or just go completely the other way as far as the, the game of baseball, but you just kind of look for that happy medium in the middle and try to put out the best product on a daily basis, get the most out of your players every day. And and if you look at Joe and his track record for years and years, he's always been incredible as far as getting the most out of his players. Well, I got to tell you, when I heard that the Angels are getting Jock Peterson, I was like, oh, boy, that's a big-time bat coming to the Halos. The deal was called off, obviously, with all the stuff going on with the Mookie Betts trade. Uh, what Do you do you still think? Because they, they've got too much – they're going to have to move people. they got too many guys there in L.A. Do you think they could be that, – that could be back on and, and, and that trade could happen? Yeah, I mean, when, when I first heard that deal, and, and that's the thing that's crazy, everyone wants to be the first one out with all the, the information, all the rumors. You know, I was already placing them in the lineup, you know, given that left-handed bat, power bat. You know, you have a lot of right-handed power in, in the lineup for the Angels, but not much as far as on a consistent basis on the left side other, other than 
especially with Shohei Otani. You don't have Cole Calhoun around anymore. He's in Arizona. So you thought, well, that's a pretty good pitch. And Ross Stripling, when he's out there, and he, you know, he doesn't have a lot of innings under his belt each and every season, but when he's out there, he's got some pretty good numbers, especially strikeout numbers. That that's good depth in the starting rotation. A, a great left-handed bat who can even you know play a little first base as well. And Jock Peterson, but that that fell apart. Don't really know the exact reason behind it, and you hear different you know varying reasons for it from both sides. But uh, you know, you, you just you just move on as quick as possible. But the Dodgers do have a, you know, now that it's official with Price and, and Betts, and, you know, they had their press conference today, there's 42 men on that 40-man roster. So they have to make some sort of move, the Dodgers, a couple of them to create spots on that 40-man roster. So we'll see. They may re-engage as far as the conversation. Uh, as, of, as of this moment, I don't think there's any conversation or any dialogue going on between the Angels and the Dodgers. But I still would not be surprised if that indeed happened here before the season started. The star power in Southern California, Trout, Otani, Rendon, Bellinger, Betts. I mean, unbelievable what's going on down there. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, I think if you're any well, California in general, Oakland with their team itself and, and where they've progressed over the last couple of years, especially what they've done in the second half of the last couple of years, so California itself and San Diego down there with the Tease Jr., that kid is ridiculous. So a lot of talent, especially when you look in, in, in the L.A. area. Um, you know, they play each other four times again this upcoming season. The Angels have had really good success when you think about it. You know, everyone always talks about it, and the Dodgers have been great, but over the last, you know, three-plus years, the Angels have been 13-6 and six against the Dodgers. That's pretty impressive, including winning all four last year. But, I mean, that, that, that Dodger team is loaded but but then I look at the Angels lineup themselves they're loaded it's all come down to you know people staying healthy and and how well starting staffs do and and the Angels made some additions to the rotation and they they need to get some some guys in there to give you some length because their bullpen in the beginning of the year for the Angels was really really good but they were worn out by the all-star break and guys like Ty Buttry who I thought at that point could have easily been an all-star was just all of a sudden, the velocity had dropped, and you start doubting yourself, and you start struggling. He came back a little bit towards the end, but uh, these guys need some starters. They can go, when they go down to the bullpen, they can go, okay, i got a pretty good chance I might have an off day today instead of every day getting up and getting in games. Yeah, that's been my number one question, is a lot of people like the Angels. I'm just like, how are they going to get 27 outs? Yeah, you know, but I, I look at Julio Tehran. He's, I mean, he's a guy, he's not – going to wow you with velocity on his fastball. And that's always been the case. But he's been a pretty consistent winner. Boy, if I'm a pitcher, if I keep anything on the ground, that left side of the infield with Rendon and, and Simmons, that, that's going to be an out. And then you have you know, you know have Castro behind the plate now. He's got some power and he's a pretty good defensive catcher himself. You have the best player in the world out there in center. Uh, all indications are that Justin Upton looks incredible. He's in amazing shape. He wasn't even ready to go to start a spring training at all last year. With his knee, and then he hurt his toe. You know, the last one of the last spring training games in the freeway series against the Dodgers. So he was out for a long period of time. And you know, and everyone always should just keep an eye because everyone loves star players in the making. And Joe Adele is one of those guys that he may be up there sooner now than than we thought. Because especially with that Jock Peterson deal, never does materialize. You might see Joe Adele up there a little bit earlier than normal. Yeah, you know, Atani's probably going to start pitching. Is it in May is when we think he's going to be back on the mound? Yeah, that's what they said, but it's funny. Today, and, and I've had, been able to have some pretty good conversations, and I get a good rapport with Shohei Otani. He goes, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be – because he's always going to agree with whatever plan they come up with, but he says, but I, I firmly believe I'll be 
ready earlier. And that was his case last year as well, coming back. So never doubt him. He's got an incredible work ethic. Having him back in the rotation, it's whether it's you know the once a week, whatever day of the week that will be, then all of a sudden you got a guy, and, and Oakland A's fans remember him well, and I know Matt Olson remembers him well, his splitter and stuff, how good that is and how firm his fastball. Then, then you have a, a legit guy that you can count on, especially when you get into games in September, because they're probably obviously going to limit innings and pitches there by starting him a little bit later than normal, that uh, it the whole dynamics of the rotation changes when Shohei Otani is going to be available to pitch. I want this to be like Little League. I want him to play every game. I, I, I Put him out there. He's a young guy. He is truly one of the special talents we've seen in really baseball history. I, I, I hate the fact that, I, and I know they're going to give him these off days, but I want to see him play every day and even hit when he pitches. Yeah, he's, there's going to be, I think he'll have less off days this time around when he's back in the rotation uh, even even with the with the rules that are set in place right now, he's considered a two way player. So the, you know they can carry thirteen other pitchers besides him on their roster, the twenty six man roster. And also, he's able to rehab, go down, throw in some rehab games, and still come back and play the very next day. And obviously, having a team close there by you know Angel Stadium will make that easier for him to be able to get back and forth like that. But he's gonna he'll pitch that once a week, and I, I would not be surprised to see him play at least four if not five days during the week as well. This will be maybe the one day after he pitches. It might be the only day you won't see him available. But I know he will be available the day before, too, even if it's a pinch hitting role. Well, the Astros' first series is going to be in Anaheim. Their second series is going to be here in Oakland. And, Gooby, I can tell you, being down at Pebble Beach at the AT&T this weekend, I followed Verlander for two holes, and I kept hearing, cheater, cheater. So if you're getting ragged at a golf tournament, what do you think it's going to be like when you hit the road? Yeah, they're, it's, everyone, they're loaded with talent, and they are. But anybody that's done anything, whether you're in sports or even on your regular normal job, if you have stress like that, it's never easy. You can try to say, oh, I can, you know, once I'm on that, where I'm, I'm comfortable in the baseball field or whatever your workplace, there's not going to be any comfort at all for that team. Yeah, we, we open up there in Houston, and then they have, they open up, you know, they're our home opener when we get back. And I know there's tons of Angel, I mean, Dodgers and Yankee fans have already bought tickets just to get out for the sole purpose of booing them, you know, at, at our own stadium. So it, it's going to be crazy for them. It's not going to be easy just to, Go out there and play. It's going to be really hard for them. And everywhere they go, and I don't even think it's ever going to be like, you might you think, well, maybe in the beginning part of the year, then everyone will move on. But stuff keeps coming out every other day that I don't know if that's ever going to be the case where this whole season is going to be difficult. And Verlander, I mean, he, he's an ultimate competitor, and he's been great. But, you know, and then Zach Renke, he's, he's getting a little bit older himself. There, There's a lot of question marks. When you don't have Garrett Cole in there anymore, it's it's a different dynamic. So that's why I think when you look at Oakland, you look at the Angels, you look at Texas now. You know they all got to be thinking the same thing. Hey, we got a shot. Before we're thinking, okay, they got another two or three year window before everyone can really make a run in them. But I, you know, Oakland's made a run in them the last couple of years, but still, it's a little bit too deep of a team for a lot of different reasons. But uh, I think if you're in the, I still think it's the strongest division in baseball. That I don't think it's a foregone conclusion anymore that the Astros are a lock. I don't think that's the case at all anymore. Yeah, and you know what do you make of all this? And do you like how baseball has handled all of this? 
Uh, I really have tried not to, you know, I, I keep thinking, okay, I just love this game. I've, I've always been a believer in this game, and, and, and I, I've always believed people were actually fairly good about being honest and being fair. And that, that's the thing I think the most, being fair to fellow competitors on, on a baseball field, that uh, it, it wasn't fair. And it's unfortunate because I, I know a lot of the people that has been you know let go as managers for different clubs now, from the Astros to the Red Sox, I've known them. And even with the Mets, I've known all those guys very, very well. That it, it's not right. It's not right at all. And I can understand but the players today, coming out over the last few days and even a few week, in the last few weeks where they're really going, wait, this is not fair at all. I mean, we're talking about players that, you know, may have been moved up and down from the majors to the minors because of bad numbers or, you know, fortunately enough, if all this stuff is true as far as all the, you know, the signs stealing and everything else, that no pitcher was severely hurt because he knew exactly what pitch was coming and he had a line drive back at him. That's the things I think about a lot because I've had – I've been hit a lot. I got my leg broken with a line drive. I'm thinking if if somebody knew what I was throwing and it was and you know and and learned from a completely illegal way, that I'd be really upset about that. Yeah, no doubt about it. And it's going to be a long road for them. You know, it's Black History Month, and today we honored the great Ricky Henderson. What was it like for you going up against Ricky Henderson? One of my favorite human beings on the planet. Uh, Competed against him so often. Uh, I, I've been people have sent me numbers how many times I faced him. I faced him so many times. It's incredible. He's he's Mike Trout with just a little bit less power, you know, because he can disrupt the game. If he's on base, you got to worry about him stealing. You're going to throw more fastballs at the batter behind you. You're going to step off. You're going to be distracted so often that you're going to make a mistake. And I got to the point where I was like, you know what, just go ahead and steal second and third to get it over with, and I'll try to get a strikeout after that. But he also, I remember one game, he set me up pretty good because he always would take that first pitch. He got me one game, too, and I remember just laughing at him, going around the bases. I said, well, that's the last time I'm going to throw him right down the middle of the plate. And then getting a chance to play with him my last year with the Angels and, and talking with him. He is so smart. You know, he knows everything about baseball. He is I'm glad that the A's have him around a lot, and I get to see him every time we come into town to play the A's. He's incredibly smart. He knows the game. He's He knows every way to be successful, whether he's in, in the field, at the, at the plate, or in the base pass. And his his knowledge and his ability to translate that into helping other players out is, is invaluable, and I, it's great to see him around and we're putting a uniform on because I think so many people just think of Ricky – you know, just being, you know, the way he is, you know, I'm the greatest of all time and all those things like that, you don't realize how smart he is and how much he knows about the game of baseball that he's a great guy to be around and a great guy to have a conversation with. You're never going to believe this. As we were getting ready for the show today and we're lining up all this Ricky Henderson stuff, we just found out he's finally just going into the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame, and I'm like, He's not in that. He was in the Baseball Hall of Fame 11 years ago. How's he not in the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame? Yeah, that, that's crazy because, I mean, he's, he's, that's, that's his home, and he, and he lets everyone know. And that's the beauty of it. He is so proud to be from there. And that, that's one of the many things that I've always respected so much from him. He's proud of his roots. And uh, he's one of, like I said, he's one of the all-time great human beings I've ever been around in my entire life. And I'm so proud to say he's a friend. 
and I'm happy he's able to get that, uh, you know, another honor like that. But I'm surprised that wasn't a long, 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 long time ago that he was put in there in the Bay Area Hall of Fame. Well, you are the best, and I always appreciate the time. It means a lot to us here on A's Cast, and we'll see you down in Arizona. Sounds good, Chris. I appreciate it, man. I'm looking forward to that. I mean, I, I think as crazy as everything is right now in, uh, in the dark cloud in baseball with all this stuff going on with the sign ceiling, that it truly is there's so many incredibly young talent, young incredibly talented players in the game right now. This, this baseball season is going to be a lot of fun. And, and I think there's going to be a lot of surprises. Everyone's going to say, well, look at the Dodgers, look at the Yankees. But you know what? It, it, nobody thought the Washington Nationals were going to win last year, that's for sure. And they, uh, they proved if you pitch well, you pitch deep in the games, you catch the baseball, and you have clutch hits, and you have a chance to win. Starting pitching's back in vogue. Yeah, I'm so happy with that because – all the you know, all the so-called experts saying you know starting pitching and wins by our starters are so overrated. The teams that have won and teams that are there in the end have the best starting pitching. It's you know the, the Tampa Bay's always been a great story and and you know with our, their opener and stuff, but they also have Blake Snell and, and Glasnow and those guys like that that are actually could start and dominate games too. So I'm glad that baseball realizes and, and understands that from all the you know the talk from the outside that it's not it's not that important. Uh, you're seeing all the pitchers, relief pitchers right now, that are all completely worn out because how many times they've gotten up and in games because of lack of depth in starting rotations. Look at Lake Trinan, who was unreal for the A's a couple of years ago, one of the best seasons I've ever seen, and then, then he was non-tendered and he signs with the, with the Dodgers. So I think he's got a chance to bounce back because they got some pretty good arms there in the rotation. will give him a breather on occasion. But that's, that's important for your bullpen knowing that you got starters are going to give you some length. Yeah, it's going to be a great season. We'll talk soon. Hi, Chris. Have a good one, man. Mark Gubiza. Love Gooby. One of the best analysts in the game. Yeah, you think because back then the Royals and the A's were in the same division, how many times you would have faced Ricky Henderson? Mike Trout with a little less power. But the ability to steal a bat. I love how he said, just take second and third. Just do it so we can get this over with. <laughs> Are we ready for a little buying or selling? It's time for buying or selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. I wonder if Mike Trout would like that comparison. You're Ricky Henderson with more, more pop. If we ever get, if we ever are able to effort Mike Trout on the program, fingers crossed. Now that we have a connection with my good friend Tony Larusa. That's one of the questions we have to remember to ask him. So, so let's start this one off. The Mookie Betts saga is now over, but now the attention focuses to Chris Bryant in Chicago and the Chicago Cubs. Bryant recently lost his grievance case and will become a free agent in 2021. The Cubs and former Red Sox head honcho Theo Epstein have been listening and talking about Bryant all offseason. The rumors of Bryant to the Rockies for Arenado have been discussed. Now, friend of the program John Morosi is reporting. Several teams have called about Bryant. The Rockies, Nationals, Rangers, and Phillies have all reached out. Now, speaking with reporters on Tuesday, Theo said he characterized the rumblings as part of the business and something that players have to learn to deal with, especially as they move closer to free agency, and especially if they're not on longer-term contracts. So I ask you, buying or selling, Chris Bryant will be traded by the start of the regular season. Huh. <sighs> I think it's complicated. 
I think it's really complicated. I, so I'm going to sell. I think he's one of those players. And if you're looking at what happened in Boston, there had a lot of pushback in Boston about this Mookie Betts thing. There was so much pushback that they had to kill the deal by making up a bogus thing about, what was his name? Uh, Brewstar Gratterall. 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 The hard-throwing righty who's had Tommy John already. But all of a sudden, they're like, oh, our medical people are worried about his shoulder. No, they just need to kill the deal because the public reaction was like, first of all, you guys are idiots for trading him. Second of all, you didn't get enough in the deal. So I wonder how much the Cubs have looked at that. I mean, because Chris Bryant, he is a fan favorite, and he's still a guy in his prime. Just like Betts, uh, won a World Series, won an MVP. You know, he's arguably one of the, what, top five? Wasn't he rookie of the year? Rookie of the year, what? I, he's done everything. Would you put him top five in third baseman in baseball? Like When, you, when he's healthy, yes. Because right now you would say it'd be, you know, Arenado, Rendon, Bregman, Chapman, and Bryant? Because I th- – someone tried to come down on him like he's a bad defense. Well, because he can play multiple positions. That brings – That was me. We looked at his numbers. He was not good defensively last year, but – um, yeah, but, he, we, but he does play multiple positions, so it makes him more valuable. If he's healthy, yeah, I think he's a top five guy. But I, but but right now we're in an era of third baseman. Yeah, I mean you got in that division alone, you have um, Tommy Edmonds on a bad third baseman for the Cardinals, and or Matt Carpenter when he when he's hitting. You have uh, Suarez who hit 49 home runs last year. Bryant, uh, I don't know who the Brewers third baseman is because it was Mustakis, but he's not there anymore. Uh, and then the Pirates don't really doesn't really matter. They're not winning. So there's a but you're right. The golden era of third baseman has taken off. You have Rafael Devers in Boston, who's really good, and you got younger guys who are going to be coming up through the system. So I put Bryant top five, and I, I think that the, he's eventually going to be traded, if not the regular season by the deadline. Especially the Cubs aren't competing under Rossi. Oh, hey, listen, you don't bring in Rossi if you want a puppet. I can't wait to see if we can, if we get a chance to talk to him in spring training. Because remember, the first day we're going to be there, we play the Cubs. Oh, Rossi, we got to get Rossi. You don't remember? We were drinking beers in San Diego together in the bar. We were. Well, we were kind of. We were around you in the bar, but he won't remember. <laughs> I, yeah, that's true. All right. So MLB MLB.com did a fantastic list. A fantastic for your if you're a nerd like I am. Was the top five hardest throwing rotations in baseball? The Rays were number one with Tyler Glasnow, who barely pitched last year who averages 96.9 miles per hour, and the team averages around 95 miles per hour as a staff. The Yankees were second, around 95 miles per hour, and Garrett Cole averages 97. The Mets were third, with Thor leading the way at 97.6. The Rays or the Reds were fourth, with Luis Castillo being their hardest thrower, and the Rockies, of all teams, were fifth, with John Gray throwing 96 miles an hour. So buying or selling, the Tampa Bay Rays will finish the season as the hardest-throwing rotation in baseball. And they already are? They already are, yeah. Because you're going to Blake Snellback, who throws about 96, 97. Charlie Morton throws throws hard, who's 35 years old. But who are the other starters? Torinos doesn't throw that hard. Yarbrough doesn't throw that hard. But they got a bunch of bullpen guys that throw hard. Yeah, they do. But what, who is it? Castillo throws a wicked slider. Um, Alvarado throws a wicked slider or sinker. They both are. They both are hard, and it's like Gratterall. Wait, where did you say the Mets are? They're only third. Uh, the Mets are fourth. Fourth? No, Mets are third. Sorry, yeah, Mets are third. Wow. I, Behind I, the Yankees. And I Mets. guess I'll buy. It's. A, I was looking at that article, and I was trying to figure out the best way to do it. So, Bakota put out their 2020 projections, and we talked about how wrong they were about the A's. Foolish. And 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 the Tigers, who won 47 games last year, and they haven't winning 69. 
You can laugh at the number if you like, like most people do. They had the Athletics winning 85 games. I, got, I didn't. I also didn't realize that Jerickson Profar and Blake Trina meant that much to the team. You're going to take away 12 wins because Jerickson Profar is not playing second base. I know it's a projection thing, but I thought that was just funny. The Angels winning 87. The Astros winning division at 98. I mentioned the Tigers. The White Sox somehow are playing 163 games this year because they're supposed to go 83 and 80. And the New York Metropolitans are going to win the NL East with 88 wins ahead of the Nats at 87. And the Braves are falling to 83 wins after the loss of Josh Donaldson. So I guess he's worth 14 wins if you break it down. So buying or selling the New York Metropolitans, our Mets, will win the NL East. Selling. Yeah, they're not. How are the Braves dropping off that yeah, many I'm, wins? I, I mean, seriously, I'm a, I, I'm going I'm going Bravos. That young talent with Acuna, Albies, Swanson, Freeman, and the Mets just always they're the Mets. I mean, they did win 86 games last year under Mickey but, Calloway. But they're but. the Mets. There's always an issue. There's always dysfunction. There's always something going on with those guys. It's been like that for years. Well, we saw the, you know, they hire manager, fire manager, hire new manager. Uh, then they were selling the team. Now they're not selling the team. A lot of, uh, they have. Now, a- and they're selling the team again. But, you know, th- that's the thing. They find the Wilpons finally had to say, okay, whoever buys it has control. Yeah, well, they don't want to go out the control. That's the thing. So the Red Sox. So you want me to give you billions of dollars? What, 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 what was uh, Cohen going to buy him for? Uh,. It was a couple billion, I think, but then he he wouldn't have control until like year for five, five years. Yeah. He may be dead by then. Like, why why, why am I going to give you billions of dollars and I and I'm going to basically bail you out and you don't you, you don't give me control? Here's an idea: don't uh, try to finish paying Bobby Vanille all that money that you owe him. So the Red Sox are going to be very different this year. No Mookie, no David Price, who picked number 33 with the Dodgers, not to not to honor Larry Bird, but to honor James Big Game Shields, Big Game James. Because of what he taught him in the you know how to be a major leaguer, but they did get Alex Verdugo, who is a three plus win player, and he could be better. They might see a breakout of Andrew Benintendi. Chris Sell will be back healthy, and they have a new manager in the interim, Ron Renicky, who in his first year at the Brewers took him to ninety six wins. Buying or selling the Boston Red Sox will make the playoffs without Mookie Betts. Uh, they won't make the playoffs. No, they will. Uh, I am selling. I'm telling you, listen to what Gubazal just said. And it's true. It's hard enough to win games when everything's peachy. Think about all the chaos that's going to – let's see what comes down on the Boston Red Sox. But just there's going to be chaos, a black cloud surrounding these teams. And everybody's going to call them cheaters. And everybody's going to rag them. And everybody – you know, it's going to – it's just – it's – it's. this is going to be a good, a good uh, case study to see – can you win in total turmoil? The, and, the, and the question with Boston, too, is going to be, after all this backlash of how many people are not happy with how Manfred handled the Astros thing with all this stuff coming out, do you think he's going to come down harder now in the Red Sox? That's why it's taking so much time. Because he fight, faced all that backlash with the Astros and uh, for not maybe giving them stiff enough penalties. Do you think, well, maybe he's just delaying because they're going to give him harder penalties? Or is it going to be something where it's like, uh, you, know, you know, Alex Cora suspended for the year, and that's really about it. I don't know. It's going. Uh, it's, it depends on what they found. That's the thing. Like, what were they doing? Because I would actually say the fact that they hired Renicky. Well, maybe putting the interim tag, it's easy to say. Oh, he was part of the scandal. He's out. 
Yeah, they're going to be looking for a third manager. But I, I kind of get the idea that they've been tipped off that it's not going to be that bad, so that's why they were able to put the interim tag on Ron Renicky. So that's kind of where I would go. But, yes, I don't know. I, I mean, they got caught with the Apple Watches. They're second-time offenders. This is what you did to the first-time offenders in the in, in the Houston Astros. If you found that there was electronic sign-stealing in Boston, you got to throw the hammer. All right, last one, because I'm not going to get to – I had one written about Chris Archer and cutting his dreadlocks and – would this be a bounce back year for him because he's been selling? Terrible. So Ryan Braun is one of the greatest Brewers players of all time. He has 334 career homers, a 298 average, and he's won an MVP award. He also has gotten in trouble for someone tampering with his sample of FedEx and that whole debacle. But he made some news a few weeks ago, and I forgot to bring this one up. He said during their fan fest that this that there's at least a chance this is his last fan fest as a player during their annual fan fest a few weeks ago. Braun is 36, entering the final year of a five-year, 105 million dollar contract that he signed. His 13-year career thus far has included highs of winning the National League MVP until as an 11 and the lows of serving the 65-game suspension when an investigation linked him to the Biogenesis scandal. So buying or selling Ryan Braun will be a Hall of Fame. Oh, my selling! What are his numbers right now? Uh, let's let's pull them up. Well, 334 home runs. Selling. Let's see, let's see what his war is. I don't care what his war is. Oh, uh, no, that's our threshold. We got to look. No, I, I don't care. Uh, 48.2. Selling. Uh, he has almost two. He'll, have 2000, he'll probably have 2,000 career hits after this year. Selling. 344 homers. Selling. 298 average. Over 1,000 runs scored, 1,000 RBIs. A that's one. not. Well, first of all, he's a all-time bad guy yeah, and liar. True. And number two, those aren't Hall of Fame numbers. And that uh, he has an OPS plus in his career of 135. So that's all I got today. That's all you got? I mean, it's 357. All righty. Fun show today. We want to thank. We get the best guests in the business. Harry Pavelitis from Baseball Prospectus. The Mad Dog, Chris Russo from SiriusXM and MLB Network, host of High Heat. The face of the franchise, Ray Fossey and Mark Gubazov, former terrific right-handed pitcher, now a color analyst for Angels Television. That will do it for A's Cast Live. We will replay the show in case you missed some of these guests and all the stuff we've been talking about. And uh, I don't know, you might hear from us in the next couple days. You never know. If not, uh, I'll be gone all next week. We won't be on the air. And then the next time you hear from us, We'll be at spring training. Have a great day, everybody. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.